Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's Jeremy White with Sneaky Joe DiBiase. Does anybody else out there want to want to do something like that? What, what do we need to settle? Jeremy White. When you were a kid and you were going to get sick, like you might throw up, did your family use the same bowl? You go to bed, you bring the bowl there in case you're going to throw up. Was that the same bowl as the family movie Popcorn Bowl? With sneaky Joe DiBiase. The same I bowl thought... that you are eating popcorn out of yeah. has been the thrown sick, up into. The sick bowl. It's but just a bowl. You just wash it. It's just a bowl. The mental damage alone should be there that, hey, yeah. some, you know, little, whatever, your little brother or sister... I just threw up in this last week. Now I'm eating popcorn. Why do we have a dishwasher? So on Monday, popcorn. On Tuesday, throw up. And on Wednesday, sure. dog food. No, I see no issue with it. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Of course, the introduction of more people in your house means more bowls are required. Last night, stationed a bowl next to our daughter's bed. She made it through. Good. But I did think of you. Bowl, and- not a basket? It's it's kind of a like a or a bin I should say it's like a Tupperware yeah ish kind of thing, and I thought I wonder if we'll ever use that for popcorn. <laughs> Once as soon as I put as a oh, throw unbelievable I, I thought maybe how about at least like put like a like a plastic bag in there like around the uh, the top like into the into the bowl itself yeah or w- That's or a move or wash it. <laughs> I don't think it. we've used this this particular bin slash bowl slash whatever it is. It's not a traditional bowl. Yeah. But I did think of that last So time. you're not going to use this for food like today? No, I don't think it was ever used well, for n- food. Well, not that it was uh, – you, is... you said they made it through the night yesterday anyway, so. Yeah, I think so. This uh, this was more of like a laundry tub kind of bowl used to soak clothing in when, okay. you know, when clothing gets gross mm-hmm. due to certain things happening that ki- happen to kids. Yeah, that's more acceptable to me. Yeah, well, I mean, we're the not gonna... laundry tin versus the the bowl that I'm going to be eating out out of directly is yeah. a very very different. I think. Yeah, I don't think we'll eat out of this bowl. I don't think we ever did. It's, it's an upstairs bowl. Or you could just to make a point. Like, yeah. any, anything that's puked in, I'll eat out of. I'm not afraid of it. I mean, again, washing it is key. It's a big part of the <laughs> process. Is uh, soap and such. Good morning. It's Jeremy and Joe. The house has been sick. I have not gotten it yet. I'm not sick, but the house has been a little sick, which we're man, still in that season. I've yeah. I've well, I've learned with small kids that season almost it's, never ends. It's twelve months a year. It never and it just does not end. Yeah, 
you get over something, you're not sick, somebody's in the house, everybody's healthy for five days, mm-hmm. and then bang, here's a fever again. Oh, all right, all right. Start up this process. So, you know, it's, un- it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that season, do you know what's happening this weekend? We're going to get consecutive days of sun. We're this gonna, week? We're going to see the sun. That feels like, they keep track of that for streaks, because didn't we last year go 30 days, 40 days without seeing the sun at all? How long has it been since we've had consecutive days with the sun? It's it got to be months. It feels like forever. Maybe earlier, le- there was a time in December, because it wasn't Christmas, really sunny. I'm sure the day, it was the day before also, maybe. So like Christmas maybe would have been the last time that that happened. Get, get get going. Let's get some of this the snow melted. Get this mud out of the way. I am so sick of mud. It's mud. It's mud. Holy cow! It, it, it is mud season. No more mud, please. Right. I've got. We got longer ways to go. I'm sure. I'm trying to remember. Was it always like this? The answer to this question might be a resounding yes. Was it always that the sun disappeared for two months mm. and it was just gray all the time? I think, I think it probably has. Because in my like head as a yeah. kid, there was more snow. And in winter, I don't know, my memories of winter as a kid, it was a little more, well, aesthetically pleasing. It was beautiful from time to time. Yeah. Snow would fall. Snow globes. And now there's the occasional blitzkrieg snowstorm, and then it's gray for three weeks. Right. Oh, I kind of of agree with this. Do we romanticize winter? Has it always been this horrid? Maybe. We only remember the times when it's like the perfect amount of like fluttering snow down there's a little bit on the yeah. ground you're going sledding down the, the the neighboring hill versus right now it's you get it all in two days <laughs> and then nothing for a month and then you get it all again in a two-day period and then nothing again and it's mud in between and the black piles of snow at the side of the road that are just disgusting maybe it's because we were in school and didn't think that's about a, it that's a good thought it's, a, it's possible I don't know. But then you would have gone out for recess, and you would have been playing around in a a healthy amount of snow, I thought. Yeah. I don't remember mud at recess. No, me neither. Anyway. But if if there was mud, there would have had to have been. We are going to get the sun. Good. Two days in a row for the weekend. Get the boat out. (laughs) What are we doing? That's right. We're going to tan. Yeah. We're (laughs) going to... Go play baseball to local baseball diamond. Yeah. Any course is going to be open. <laughs> ah, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I started this morning. I, I, I want to ask this question as someone that's in the industry. Mm-hmm. Does football coverage exist solely to make us mad? Hmm. Is, is 90% of talk about the NFL only there? To make you upset? Did you? Uh, did, did you? Did you? Ha- are you someone that happened to see something this morning that yes. uh, that made you mad in that way? Yeah, that's exactly what uh, happened. I yeah. think. I think a lot of it is designed in that way. Yes, it, it's supposed to make you you're, upset. You're, I think the whole television sports industry that isn't like Sports Center showing highlights is. Uh, I think it's pretty much what you're talking about. Make here. you mad? This is what Nick Ooh. Wright does. I yeah. point that out a lot. I think I have a guess at what the thing is that made you mad. I'm excited for this. Was it Tom Brady saying that he would have taken the points? No. That'll be coming to a television near you soon, though. Right. I did Great. see Tom Brady say I'll take the points. It was not that. 
It was. As if, by the way, he thought it's 100%. Do, do people think that field goals are just you hit a button and, and like, it's like NFL, um, the vid- NFL Blitz video game. They didn't make you kick the field goals like in Madden. You would pick, go for it on fourth down or plus three. Blitz just gave you three? Yeah, it would, you just, there were no field goals. That's because At least in the one Blitz game that I had, like 2002 maybe. Their programmers did not want to actually program in kicking. Right. No, and like, it, what, that, what field goals? They're not fun anyway. Like, in That's that fun. game, you're trying to like body slam people after the whistle. So, wait, we don't need field goals. You get to go for it or you get plus three. Is that, was that what people think the NFL is? Well, that like a 48 yard field goal by Michael Badgley is just automatic. I don't even have to watch the, the play. To that point in Madden, what are the odds you're making a 48 yard field goal in Madden? Probably like ninety seven percent. Really? Well, I remember. Well, playing. It, de- it depends what how it, good your kicker is. It depends also what mode you're on. If you're <laughs> like all pro, then you're making it a hundred percent. If it's all Madden, maybe it's more. It's very more realistic. Well, that was either way. That was not the thing that got me mad this morning. You know, football coverage designed to make you mad. No, it was um, on ProFootballTalk.com. Uh, Mike Florio and Chris Sims oh. discussing uh-huh. that uh, Justin Tucker poked the bear in pregame <laughs> by what? attempting to warm up. And there was, I don't know if you saw this before the game, it was actually before regular warm-ups. Yeah. Mahomes and Kelsey kind of feuding with Tucker about where to warm up, where to put his things, and Kelsey throws the helmet on the tripod for the kick. And it was a cute little moment, like, ah, ha, ha. And uh, here's Mike Florio and Chris Sims earnestly making the case that yeah. Justin Tucker uh, made Mahomes mad. That that's what I've got. That's what that's what my football coverage is giving me today. <laughs> like I said, I mean, is it is it? I'm, I'm supposed I to mean, get mad at that, right? I I, I th- no, I think you are supposed to because like in what world is is Mahomes making the Marquez Valdez Scantling throw at the end of the game because he's 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 extra motivated because Justin Tucker's helmet was a foot away from him while he was doing he was doing his warm ups. Was Kel- did Kelsey make that diving catch on third down in the first half because he was mad at Justin Tucker? I mean, come on, what are we, what are we what are we doing? I thought you were going to go with Florio on the the analytics people are stealing jobs in the NFL. Yes, that's right, Take, because they, of the pay that they don't belong in the NFL, and it's a way for people that don't belong to get in the sport. There's a lot of that right. going around too. I saw Seth Walder make a good point, like of ESPN analytics, ESPN. So yes, uh, what all these data scientists are doing is they're passing on the big jobs at Amazon in order to get <laughs> the the entry level jobs that the NFL offers for uh, for those guys. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, there's a million things. I, what it is that I'm probably feeling is still like many Bills fans might be feeling, I'm still mad about their loss. Right? Yeah. There's there's resentment. Is, is it added that the Chiefs are the team in the game, too? Like, Yeah. yeah. You kind of blame the Bills for making you sit through two weeks of getting ready for Mahomes is the GOAT, and Kelsey and Swift and Andy Reid, and you're there again. Like, never doubt the Chiefs. Nick Wright pointing to his tattoo, never a doubt. Which, yep. by the way, he has, by the way. I learned that the other day. He has a tattoo that he got for the Chiefs. It says, never a doubt. Cool. So, like, I got to listen to that for two weeks, and it's because the Bills didn't finish him. And in, in, in here, this building, they didn't finish him. Yep. It feels like we can't be mad at anybody, but, well, not really mad at the Bills. You'd but, be mad at the Ravens, I guess, too. But I do have a stat on this. You know, Here we are nine days later, and got a couple of things that have come out. This one strikes me. 
Is anybody up for a conversation about their game plan again? Sure. <laughs> no, sure. Okay. So Scott Kazmar had a tweet about the quarterbacks to have played against the Chiefs this offseason. Mm-hmm. And the points they put up. Because who were the three quarterbacks that the Chiefs played against? It was Tua, and it was Josh Allen, and then Lamar Jackson. Yep. And the Bills put up the most points, and they also did it on the fewest drives, which doesn't come as a surprise. We, we know what happened. So points per drive, they would have been points easily per, the number one team. Yeah, points per drive mm-hmm. for the Bills in the game against the Chiefs. Josh Allen in the offense put up three points per drive. Okay. Lamar, one point per drive. Tua, Point six points per drive. Yeah, and so by far the best team. By, yes, by that, by least. far yeah. the yeah. best team. Twenty four points on eight drives, and I looked at that and I thought, you know, that's that's art because the thing about art, Joe, you know how it is. Every person can see it how they want. It's mm-hmm. a, there's a different interpretation to this painting. It might make you feel this. It might make you feel that. Or music. And Josh Allen putting up twenty four points on eight drives. Might make you feel two different things. It might make you feel, well, yeah, eight drives because the defense was in such rough shape. They had to slow play that game. Or it make, might make you feel how I felt about that game, which is, can you believe they only they played to only give him eight drives? Mm-hmm. Three points per drive. I wish they had had more drives. Well, then the Chiefs might have scored more points. Okay. All right. The Bills played that game like they were afraid of Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Josh Allen went out and, from all the reviews, executed a near-perfect performance and put up the most points per drive by three times as many mm-hmm. as the other teams that played this this Chiefs team. So, you know, as we, as we talk about that game and that game plan, I've had conversations on Twitter, conversations with friends about, oh, you didn't like it, it was the right plan. I, I've never liked it. I don't know if I'll ever like that game plan, even if the defense is banged up. I don't care. I'm limiting Josh Allen's ability to put up more points. Could he have put up 42? And if the Chiefs are that good, would they have put up 45? Maybe. But I limited yeah. my own chances by playing the way that I played, which was to play it slow and run clock. Does it have to be, though, that they played that style of game because – they didn't want to give Mahomes that many drives, and they were afraid of how many points the Chiefs would put up. Didn't, Couldn't it also be they didn't think they could they could score forty two playing a different style of football? Like because things were hard in that game for them, right? Like the only plays that they got anything on were these bubble screens that went for five yards to Dalton Kincaid and and to Diggs and Shakir. That's right, and but to James Cook and they ran the ball effectively. Allen ran the ball. Allen ran the ball mostly well. effectively. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But like even those scramble plays where Allen got good yardage on, like those are him dropping back to pass and oh look nobody's open. I mean, did the Chiefs just did it to the Ravens for most of that game? The Ravens got hot in the second half late and then made mistakes, but they have a great secondary. They have a very good defense. I don't know. Like, I question whether the Bills could have scored. I, I, I don't think. I think it's two things for me. I would never want them to play like that against the Chiefs again. Right. I would never want that game plan for the rest of my life. I would never want to go into a game thinking that's the way to beat the Chiefs. And at the same time, I'm not sure they would have scored more than 24 points had they opened it up and tried to throw the ball down the field. I don't think they were good at it. I think the whole season proved they were not well, good at it. There's, there's a difference between throwing more and just playing with more tempo. 
they played to kill the game. I mean, we we went through the stats about how how many second and short plays they had, and they ran the ball mm-hmm. ten times on second and one, two, three, or four, mm-hmm. rather than try and get a big play. And they did throw a couple of big ones and try to uncork a couple of big ones. It's about pace. And McDermott, didn't he flat out say they played that way because they wanted to control the game? They wanted ball control. Their time of possession was lengthy. Yeah, it was Ma- insane. Maybe, you're it was right. historic right. for how much they did that. Maybe it was a function of, or at least a, a good portion of it was a function of, well, the Chiefs kept everything in front of them. And I'm still sitting here mad about the fact that you had an offense that was able to be limited like that. Right. That's because that's mean, here are yeah. the Ravens that did have explosive plays against the Chiefs. Meanwhile, they lost. Um, you get your Zay Flowers plays. I got Lamar runs over 20 yards. I got explosive plays from the Ravens against the Chiefs. I got a Tyreek Hill explosive play against the Chiefs. It was their only touchdown of the game, but I got one. And the Bills, you know, they dropped there. So I guess. You know. Yeah, because they they the Bills like it's again like some their plays that work. What was their yards per play in that game? It was lower than the Ravens, wasn't it? The Bills yards per play against the Chiefs it was four point seven, so it wasn't very high. It was not impressive whatsoever. They the Bills had it was it fourteen third downs in that game to the the Chiefs five. Like there were a lot of drives where for, you get to second and six, then you get to third and two, and then they, yes they would run the ball again. And that's maybe where, right, tempo gets affected because you're running it on second and short or third and short, and you're just trying to get the three yards. It's kind of how they played the game. They played the game to move the chains. And again, I think that maybe both things were really happening at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. That they knew Mahomes is going to eat us alive all game. A.J. Klein should not be in this position. And two... They're keeping everything in front of them, and everything down the field is going to be contested if we try it in this game. And at the same time, our short passing game doesn't have the most dynamic athletes in the world, so right. it's only going to be 4.7 yards per play playing that style of football. So, right, my anger is more that they built a roster that was able to be limited like that. Yeah, They kind of looked like that against the Chargers, right, in New England. It's not like... Le- They'd won a bunch of games leading into Kansas City. It's not like their offense had looked explosive at all, really, since what the the Jet game, Brady's first game. I was going to say, if you want to say since Ken Dorsey, you could say that. Yeah, Joe Brady's time as offensive coordinator of the Bills, the passing offense had its moments, but didn't have a lot of moments. And you know, Josh Allen's quarterback rating in that offense with Joe Brady in a clean pocket was way down. His completion percentage down now. That's drops. They dropped a lot of balls. Whether mm-hmm. that's Diggs that dropped a bunch and James Cook dropped a bunch. So that happens. Yeah. Now the whole thing, it's nine days later, and I'm still sitting here trying to be trying to find a way to be comfortable with what all happened. Joe writes in, they did take three shots downfield, didn't convert any of them. Three shots downfield in the game that they killed the clock. Yeah. And you could, out, of, out, of, out of how many and, plays? And there's a lot of room between the line of scrimmage and 60. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, 16 throws at or behind the line of scrimmage. One throw, yeah. 62 and a half yards in the air. There's a lot of real estate in between that. Yeah. That they yeah. didn't really go for that much, maybe because they felt like they couldn't. And, you know, of course, that gets to the point of they built a roster that was limited for that. So. Yeah. Allen's throwing chart in this game. So the Bills had 78 plays in the game. And they. 78. 78 plays. plays. They threw the ball 39 times. So exactly half. Um, at least, actually, he had 39 pass attempts, so there would have been some scrambles in there, too, where they called pass plays. And Allen's throwing chart 
Again, you see, man, look at all the six, the 16 behind the line of scrimmage. Is there like a 30-yard gap where it's just nothing yeah. in between? There's not a single throw between 15 and, well, 15 and 28 yards. So there's a 13-yard gap there. You have two at like the 30-yard mark, and then you have the one that's way the down two, the field. The two 30-yard mark are the two Sherfield throws. Yes. And the big one is the Diggs and one. And the, the big one is the Diggs one. Yeah. And other than that, and even then, there's only like there's only two at the 15 yard marker, and then everything else is between the behind the line of scrimmage and within five yards. Like so much of what they did was dink, dunk, short pass, screen, bubble screen, you know, quick out to James Cook, up the flat to James Cook. Like just they didn't they didn't have a dynamic offense in this game. They didn't have a Zay Flowers, right? Because even yeah. the Ravens didn't have a lot working for them in that way. But they had the one guy that was capable of getting open for big plays. And Flowers had plays in that game where the Bills didn't have a, don't have a guy like this. Even Shakir, as good as he is, is not like this most of the time, where Flowers takes a slant five yards down the field, he takes it for 25, because he's breaking away from Ladarius Sneed. Yeah. The Bills don't have a guy that pulls away from defensive backs like that with just his sheer burst. They don't have that guy. The other they thing didn't is, have that guy. the Ravens might have been better served. This is to the point about what the Bills did. If the Ravens ran it 39 times, like the Bills ran the ball 39 times, they might have had more success in that game. They ran, so, it, uh, they ran it six times. Six. Six with running backs. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. 803-0550 on this. Nine days after Bills Chiefs. The, the bigger conversation about this is, are we allowed to use the term close for the Bills when talking about the Chiefs? Are they close? Because Two, three point in losses. games, they are close. Mm-hmm. In resume, they are not. Right. How do right. we how do we handle that? Every time I hear the Bills are really close to the Chiefs, I think they have made four Super Bowls in five years, and you have made one AFC championship game. That is not close. Right. How can you say you're close? If you you're behind Tiger Woods in the world golf ranking, <laughs> and he's got thirty seven majors and you've got none. Right, but you lost by three or less. And you're number uh, two in the rankings. Are you close? There's a point there. I just don't know what to do with everyone that says the Bills are close. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're miles and miles away. They might be the closest team. I don't think they get to claim their second. The Bengals Bengals beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, that's probably right. The Bengals did the thing. They're the only ones that have done the thing, in the AFC at least. The only team the Chiefs have lost to. In the AFC. By the way, look at what I mean. This is more of the frustration for the the Chiefs. Like, are just are they just going to go every year? Look what it took for the Bengals to beat them. They had to shut them out in the second half and go to overtime and to, to win in overtime. And the Chiefs got the ball first yeah, in that they, in that they, overtime. Like the, the defense did a great job for the Bengals. They needed to shut them out just to beat them in overtime. Yep. Uh, and that's the only thing separating the Chiefs from five straight Super Bowls. Uh, you could make it six straight or seven straight if you go back to the Patriots-Chiefs one where they also lost in overtime on a coin toss. Right. The last. What's the last playoff game that the Chiefs have lost in regulation? Oh, well, they would have lost the Super Bowl to, to yeah, Brady. That's right. Last AFC playoff game they would have lost in regulation. Like, you're going back to Alex Smith. Yeah, that's right. 803-0550. Not trying to be depressing. <laughs> I mean, the next the next nine days, it's going to be hard not to. Will we be more depressed if they win the Super Bowl or less? I will probably be the same. Doesn't matter. It's just that they're in. They won the AFC. They're yeah. in the game. They did it again. They did it again. Yeah. And we are approaching 
Patriot Way level of they're different than you, as I reference this Mike Florio, Chris Sims conversation about how they got mad because the kicker was warming up. Isn't shouldn't it on, on the game nine days ago? Shouldn't it be true that even the fan out there or the person out there that thinks the Bills made had the right game plan against the Chiefs? Shouldn't there also be an admission? from that person that even if you thought they played the right game plan against the Chiefs, that you never want them to have that game plan against the Chiefs again. Yeah. Doesn't, do- that should be accurate. Even if you think that was the way to do it, to keep them off the field and to not test them down the field because their defense maybe wanted that all day from Allen, that you can't be in a position again where you walk into a game against the Chiefs and, guys, the best game plan in this one might be to control the ball. Well, that's where... What are the Niners going to do? I mean, they don't throw the fall the bar the ball far down the field as it is, but will they get explosive plays because they have explosive players? It's very possible that they very often do. Yeah, yeah. Riley in Niagara Falls is going to join us here before the break. Hey, Riley. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Sure thing. Calling. Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about the game plan, and uh, we we want some time management. This is what we're talking about here. So, how are we? managing the game when we are giving Patrick Mahomes a minute 40 left, even if we kick that field goal, we're still in a position where Patrick Mahomes goes down with a minute 40 left. I don't understand, and I don't understand the play call of we're going to go on fourth down in our own zen with a fake punt and try to run the ball with Hamlin, but we're not going to go on fourth down and we're going to take the three at the end of the game and still give him the time to go back down the field. So how do we manage the game? I I just don't get the play call. I think we should have went for it on fourth down, ran the ball on second down, and then went third and fourth down to try to get closer to kill more clock. What do you guys think? Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks, Riley. Now we're getting to the final possession and how they played that one. Yeah. It doesn't line up, though. He's right. Like To me, it's the fake punt is an admission from the Bills. We don't think we can stop this offense. We are going for it, and we're giving it to DeMar Hamlin because we don't think our defense is stopping the Chiefs. And then you get later in the game situation in fourth and nine, I guess they thought, okay, like there's just no other option here. They must not have thought about it because I don't know what – I guess they stopped them twice, right, in the midst of that. Between the fake punt and the fourth and nine field goal – they punched out a ball at the goal line. You can call that luck. You can call that Jordan Poyer making a play. He did. They could both could be true. And two, the Bills got to stop at midfield on the Chiefs. Did they? Did they found? Did they think they were more likely to get a stop because they had just seen it happen? It's it's possible. Maybe that's another part of this. Is sometimes you think one way where well all those possessions for the Chiefs they're just going to score and you're not going to have answers. The Bills started to have. An answer. They really made their first stop late in the game, right? The Chiefs. Dorian Williams, by the way, was in the game for that, which yeah. made a difference. He chased down Mahomes from kind of scrambling out of there. So, I mean, that's an adjustment that they could have made earlier in the game, getting their most athletic linebacker that was active in the game earlier. They decided not to. They got to stop late in part because of him on the field. So, was that a difference? Yeah. Here we are talking about the game nine days later. It is sitting with me. I, I don't know if the 13 seconds game, I don't know if we talked about that game nine days later. We kind of just that, shoved it into the closet, never to be discussed again. Did we? I feel like we talked, didn't we? That was like eight months after. Though we were thinking about it maybe for like eight months after the fact. Yeah, maybe. I, 
I do think that that's another part of this is 13 seconds is landing this week with some people maybe. Yeah. So, sometimes you don't know the things that are that are weighing on your mind. And if 13 seconds, maybe 13 seconds comes back because of the Lions. You were there. You yeah. had you had them. Mm-hmm. And you let them up. And Dan Campbell told you after the game, like, hey, there, this could this could have been our only shot. Yeah. 803-0550, Thanks, Riley. Bills and Chiefs. Are the Bills close? Can they say they're close? And, of course, the other part of that is this offseason will happen, and the Bills offseason is going to be about staying afloat and not spending any money, and the Chiefs are going to go out there, and they've got, you know, $76 million more space than the Bills do. That's not $76 million in space, but. No, ah. they, they have about, like, 40, I think, yeah, or 30. Yeah. Eight zero three zero five fifty. If you want to join us, I've got great instant trivia. I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. Oh, Josh does. He said he's doing instant trivia. Nice, got good stuff for that. Good stats of the day. I have one of the most incredible tweets I've ever seen, ever seen. Joe mm-hmm. saving it for seven so more people can wake up because it's a good one for conversations about uh, quarterbacks that are playing today and you know history. So we'll do all that on this uh, Tuesday with uh, promises to see the sun in a couple of days here on WGR. You have sort of a vibe and a culture. This is how we play. But you do understand mostly that in the playoffs, got tightened up a little bit, a little less emotional. But I can still defend Dan Campbell because the Lions play with a chip, and I love the chip. I didn't even recognize Baltimore yesterday. This is a run team. Number one in the league. It's one of the strangest three and a half hours of playoff football I have ever seen. That's Colin Cowherd's review of the Ravens, who lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. I, I do wonder what their offseason will sound like on that, because I was I was proud of my Ravens for going from one of the run-heaviest teams in the league to this year. Maybe they went way too extreme in that AFC championship game, but... They had been one of the run-heaviest teams in the league. They were seventh this year in pass rate. Huge jump yeah. under Todd Monken in that, in that regard. Greg Roman before just couldn't figure out a passing offense. And Beckham and Bateman were not even like, you know, they weren't incredible. They weren't blowing the doors off people. So they, Flowers was great, and they were they were pretty good. And I thought a lot of that was scheme, and a lot of that was Lamar Jackson. <laughs> So I would I would hope if I'm them they're not entering the offseason going oh we got to return to running the football. Yeah, we'll see. I mean Beckham's a free agent. He made 16 million dollars this year for them in one season. And we'll see what they do with him. I doubt he gets uh, anything near that. But... No, that's probably right. I've got a Twitter poll up and speaking of Lamar, I've got a question on Lamar at uh the top of the hour that I can't wait to get into, but I'm saving it because I need more people to be awake for it. Okay. So, okay. Is it right to claim the Bills are close to the Chiefs? Eight oh three oh five fifty and a Twitter poll as well. I've got the poll up. What do you think the numbers will be when this is all said and done? Is it right to claim the Bills are close to the Chiefs? It's going to be eighty twenty. No. Oh is, wow, is my guess well, or, or like seventy five twenty five, like in that range. Right now you're flipped. It is seventy thirty. Yes, really. It is right to claim the Bills are close to the Chiefs. That is stunning to me. That is stunning to me. I mean, I they're close in the games. It looks like every time they play, these teams are not that far apart, but 
at some point, and I'm I think I'm at that some point. It just it's it's overwhelming that they just will beat you every time you play them in the playoffs, and they don't have answers for Mahomes, even when he's at a diminished state. And I just I can't ignore that. I can't. It's more about the Chiefs for me than the Bills. I think they've earned the answer to that question being no. The Bills are not close to the Chiefs. What are you talking about? The Bills are close to the Chiefs. We've been to four Super Bowls in five years. It's tough for me to look the other way on that. I I, I get, and at the same time, I do want to say I get it. Like the next time the Bills and the Chiefs play, spread should be like one or two points. Right. It, it doesn't mean so, you can't compete with that team. It gets to, is it right to say they're close? I'm going to give you an example here. It's a cross-sport comparison, so it's not perfect, but I'm just going to go with it, and then we'll get some calls in. Do you know who finished in second place to Tiger Woods the most? I mean, I guess it would be Mickelson. It's not Mickelson. Okay. Is it... golf's, and golf's tough for this because in golf there are four trophies to win every year. Right. Five if you include the FedEx Cup. Right. Twenty if you include other tournaments where you can beat a guy. The num- Sergio? Nope. VJ Singh? Nope. All right, I'm out of guesses. It's okay. The, the player who finished runner-up to Woods the most mm-hmm. is Ernie Els. Oh, in fact, that I, was think, out there. I yeah. think he did it three times when Tiger did the calendar Tiger Slam. Mm-hmm. Is Ernie Els close to Tiger Woods? No. He's the, he's, I mean, there's no was, way, right? He was the guy that was closest the most. Is he close? Yeah. On Sunday, he was close. Yeah. But when you zoom back out and look at June, not that close. Right. So there's a part of me that is thinking about it that way. And this also kind of gets to, are the Bills close to the Chiefs? To me, this question gets to how the Bills should attack their future. Do they think they're close? Like, hey, trust the process, stay the course, McDermott's back, Joe Brady's back, add a second receiver, let's go. We're close to that team. We know we can take them down. It is another year looking at a loss to them or an exit from the playoffs, and every year there's going to be an excuse or an explanation. And what is it this time? The defense was too injured. If the defense was healthy, the Bills would have beaten them. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. that That's possible. Then again, by the time you get to face them next year, they might have a better team still. Right. You might have Terrell Bernard, but they might have Michael Pittman, or they might have Mike Evans on their team in addition to a rookie on top of it. Yeah. Like, their offense is going to be better next it, year. I can't the, imagine that it's not. It seems the difference between these teams is, if you really dug into what has changed between the two teams, it's that their drafts have hit better than yours. Since oh. 13 seconds, since the first AFC Championship game, their drafts have hit better than yours. Go up and down and look at their defense, how they put it together. It's picks from the last couple seasons that put together a full defense. And the other thing that their defense gets, that the Bills, this is kind of a McDermott point. Spagnolo has the reputation of being the best coordinator, the best single game He's in his bag. He's throwing stuff at you. He's yeah. going to he's gonna confuse you. He's going to dial up a game plan for you. Yep. Yeah. yep. He has a reputation of doing that and getting wins in big spots. Now, it certainly helps to have Patrick Mahomes as a part of that, but here he is holding the Ravens to 10 points, their lowest output of the season in a big game. And in Cincinnati, I've got that same reputation with Lou Anarumo, who, oh, he's got a good game plan. He shut Mahomes out for a second half, which, by the way, the Bills yeah. almost did. And so are the Ravens. Like all of a sudden, shutting Mahomes out for a half is not impossible. Right. Versus right. this version of the Chiefs. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I'll get some calls here. 803 0550. 
I'm very much aligned with you. I feel like if you say they're close, you're not desperate enough. I think the Bills need to be a little more, I don't know if it's desperate, aggressive. They've been aggressive. They went out and they signed Vaughn. They trade up all the time to get the guys they want. And some of these moves, their most aggressive moves, have not really moved the needle in catching the Chiefs. Who were some of the moves? Rousseau, nice player. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to pick up his fifth-year option. He's really good. Vaughn, not going well right now. Kyir nope. e- Elam, not a good pick. Did not go well. Like your, your, your moves to catch the Chiefs, specifically your moves that we would all look at and say, these are the things you did to try and catch the Chiefs. Those are the ones that seem to be a little bit, I mean, not Rousseau, but those other two are pretty big ones. A first-round pick and a big money contract to a defensive end yeah. that has played really well and made a big play in that moment, but now, you know, we have to wait to see if he's healthy again. Well, let's just get some phone calls in as I ramble along here. Uh, let's go to Ryan in Ontario. Hey, Ryan. Good morning, gentlemen. Been a lifelong Bills fan and uh, fan of the show. Listen every morning on my way to work. Well, thank you. Uh, I just want to keep it simple. Um, who, you, who who are we blaming? You know, after nine days, like who are we blaming the offense in, the, in that game against the Chiefs? Or are we blaming the defense? You know what I mean? Like we watch those games. Uh, you know, you can we can compare to uh, the 49ers, Packers. Packers had them and blew it. You know what I mean? Like in in, in, in our situation here in Buffalo, you know what I mean? We, we never had them, but we made the drops and we made the mistakes, though, that cost us that game. But we were right in it. You know what I mean? Like, we, they were there for the taking. The Chiefs could have been beat. You know what I mean? Like, and we just made those mistakes. But I just want to know, guys, I love you guys. Like you say, I love Buffalo. I love the Bills. Lifelong fan since I was a kid. Just want to know who we're blaming. Are we blaming the offense or are we yeah. blaming the defense? Well, I guess that's... Probably not I mean, the offense. You're you're probably blaming the defense because they gave up a ton of points, including the Chiefs' single season high. But you know they were hurt, and they they had guys out there that shouldn't have been out there. I I think I'm blaming someone that I don't think's ever really been a scapegoat. I think I'm blame I think I'm blaming Brandon Bean for them losing to the Chiefs. Yeah, the, you've had years to get that dynamic wide receiver in the building behind Stephon Diggs, and maybe that was an over-evaluation of what Gabe Davis could be for them. Maybe that's what they thought Gabe Davis could be for them. They certainly treated Davis like that was what he could be. Downfield threat, full-time player, outside receiver next to Stephon Diggs. They, they, and Davis was hurt, but hadn't made much of an impact down the stretch. So... How confident were we that he was going to make a giant difference? Maybe he makes a play or two, and that's the, all the difference that you need. But I didn't think he was in a position to take over yeah. a game like that. I think I'm blaming Brandon Bean for their offense looking like that against the Chiefs. To that point in a minute, as we say, they're close. They only lost by three. Here are the Chiefs' margins of victories in the divisional playoff divisional playoff, conference Mm -hmm. championship, and Super Bowl since 13 seconds, right? The Bills are close because they lost in 13 seconds. That was devastating. Yep. Uh, After that game, they they lost to the Bengals by three. The next year in the playoffs, their margin of victory, 7-3-3. 
This year, their margin of victory in the playoffs, only the Bills, three, and the Ravens, seven, and then the Niners will see. The Chiefs, yeah. it's not like the Bills are the only team that feels like, ah, we had them. Yeah. We let them off the hook. The Eagles felt that last year. The Bengals would have felt that last year. The Jaguars. Remember, tw- weren't the t- tw- weren't, weren't Jaguars the t- at 27 to 10, and Mahomes' ankle was on backwards, and they were, were right. right there. Weren't the, the, was it the Texans that were up like 24 points on them so that's way funny. back when? That's a different version of the Chiefs, yes. The that's, te- that's Mahomes, though, isn't it? The Texans, Titans, and Niners in 2019 all had double-digit leads on the Chiefs and all lost by double digits. Yeah. That 2019 is the version of the Chiefs that ran around people. And since then, they win close games. Right. When, the, when the Bills lost the AFC Championship game in Kansas City, the week before, the Chiefs beat the Browns by five. Right. Staying, you know, so like, it's, uh, it, there's almost a point where I want to say, staying close with the Chiefs, this is going to sound harsh. Okay, Joe, so go ahead. understand it's not that harsh. It's almost like we think it deserves a merit badge. And the reality is, a lot of teams stay close to them, mm-hmm. and that's why they're so annoying, because they yeah. just win. Is it also I'm now that I'm looking back at like Chiefs playoff history, no, we often will say, and it's usually seems right that the Bills have never been closer than 13 seconds, right? They've never been closer because they that had was a it. lead with 13 seconds. They had a lead with 13 seconds over the Chiefs, and what close to what? What are they? What are we all trying to do? Trying to win the Super Bowl, yeah. right? And they were still two games away. They were a Chad Henney fourth down conversion away. From playing the Browns in the AFC Championship game with Baker Mayfield. Yep. And that's one game to go to the Super Bowl. I know the next year it's an assumption they would have beaten the Bengals, who beat the Chiefs and smoked the Bills last year. I mean, I think it's easier to assume they would have beaten the Mayfield Browns than they would have beaten the Burrow Bengals. But that never gets talked about. The Chiefs in that game won by five points. Right. And they played the whole second half without Patrick Mahomes. This is part of my point. You being it's close annoying. to them, they just win They win close games. We'll get a break in. More phone calls. Uh, stick with us. CJ, you're up next. Ryan, thanks for the phone call. Happy Tuesday. Jeremy and Joe, I've got an incredible postseason legacy Stat line, stat list to get to, 7 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. It's unbelievable. You'll take it to work with you, or you'll take it wherever. You'll tell anybody that listens this stat I've got for you. going to blow your mind. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Hey, happy Tuesday morning. I've posted a poll underneath the Twitter poll. So it's kind of like you go and you vote, and then you answer an exit poll on your way out. How about that? Yeah. Look at, look at this comprehensive Twitter, like Twitter voting experience. You can also call us at 803-0550. Question we're asking today, is it right to claim the Bills are close to the Chiefs? And then the follow-up exit poll, all right? So you, you go to my profile, you vote in that. And then the follow-up is, what are you really saying? Allen is close to Mahomes, or the Bills are close to the Chiefs? What are you really saying when you say the Bills are close to the Chiefs? And what percentage of the people that are voting yes are really just talking yeah. talking quarterback? I was way off on my first guess. I'm going <laughs> to guess this one is way more towards Allen is close to Mahomes. Well, we'll see. We're only three votes in on that one. Where and where are the three votes? 
Uh, it's too early to tell. Of an early lead? I'm on, if I'm covering this election on NBC, I've got to say it's too close to call at this point. Not enough information. Not enough precincts are reporting. Yeah. All right, we, we're up against the break. 803-0550. When we get back, we'll get some phone calls in, and I'm going to get you something here. I saw something that changed the way I think about a quarterback in the NFL. That's how dramatic mm. this is. I'm blown away. It is incredible. It's about every quarterback you, we talk about and care about. Josh, Brady, Lamar, Rodgers, Roethlisberger. Every, every quarterback you've ever cared about or had an opinion on in their postseason. It is incredible. My jaw dropped. Give that to you next. That stat next, along with your calls and this poll. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Snap by Ferguson, hold by Martin, kick by Bass is on the way. And it is no good. No good wide to the right. Nine days ago, Chris Brown on the call. Bringing that up because that's how close the Bills were to tying the Chiefs. So here are your two questions for today. we got a poll and then an exit poll. Are the Bills close to the Chiefs? Is it right to claim the Bills are close to the Chiefs? You can vote on our web poll on that, Twitter poll. 73% say yes, it is right to say the Bills are close to the Chiefs. And then I have a follow-up poll. It's a poll underneath a poll. If you voted yes, what are you really saying? Is it that Allen's close to Mahomes or the Bills are close to the Chiefs? Which which of those two is more true to you? And 65% say that it's about Allen. And I think that that's... You know, I think that's right. Well, there's a lot of faith in Josh Allen. I don't dispute that. Like Josh yeah. Allen is the reason that people believe in the Bills. And I have right. something for you here. I teased this going to the break, 
I want to get to this and then kind of get back into our conversation. But this is important to bring up regarding NFL quarterbacks and their their postseason success. Scott Kazmar had this, and it, it I'm going to just flat out say, Joe, it's going to change the way I think about a certain quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So Scott Kazmar is a NFL writer, uh, Pro Football Writer Association. He put out yesterday, I'm going to say a spreadsheet. <laughs> okay. But, but it's not very math heavy. It's just, hey, look at this. Yeah. And what it was was, here's the quarterback. Here's how many times this quarterback has made the playoffs. Here's how many times the lowest point total of the season for that quarterback came in the playoffs. Okay? Okay. So, for instance, the Bills with Josh Allen, when they scored 10 against Cincinnati last year, that was their lowest point total of the play- of the season. Mm-hmm. So, Allen got check. One. Allen's made the playoffs five times. One time, his lowest point total of the season came in the playoffs. I've got... Everybody from Dak Prescott in five playoff appearances. How many times mm-hmm. have the Prescott-led Cowboys had their lowest point total of the season be in the playoffs? For Dak Prescott, the answer is zero. It's never happened for him. For Troy Aikman, zero out of seven. Brett mm-hmm. Favre, one out of 12. Tom Brady, 20 postseasons. How many times did Brady's playoff number mm-hmm. equal the lowest number of that season? Five out of 20. Which, funny, I think one of those is a Super Bowl victory against the Rams. Might be right, 13? Yeah, Yeah. 13. Right, it's just about point total. Yep, point total. Steve Young, two times out of seven. You know, what what quarterback would you want to hear here? Mahomes, once out of six playoff appearances. Matt Ryan, once out of six. Drew Brees, once out of ten. John Elway, three out of nine. I'm building to something here. Mm -hmm. I'm building to something that I, I don't know, you can take it for what you want. We could talk about context. Peyton Manning, 15 postseasons. Yeah. Three times the fewest points they scored came in the playoffs. Three out of 15. For a guy that was labeled like a playoff choker for half his career. Yeah, yeah. So what you have here is, like, what percentage of your postseasons are you scoring the the lowest point total you have in that given year? Yeah. And we've outlined a bunch of zeros. Matt Stafford's at 20%, one out of five. Cam Newton, one out of four, 25%. Steve Young, Phillip Rivers, Joe Flacco. Mentioned Elway. Elway's number is 33. He's in second place. Second place all time for this. As being bad. Yeah. Three out of nine. Three times in the postseason, the point total that Elway's Broncos put up was the lowest they'd scored in a season. Three out of nine. Lamar Jackson. Mm Hmm. Four for four. (laughs) 100 percent yeah of his postseasons the wow. lowest point total they get that year is yeah. in the postseason that is unbelievable four for four no one else is above a third of their games nope and he's at a he's at 100 every time he that's that's all of them for him every time he's played a playoff game he's gonna that offense is gonna have the lowest points they've not had season. a game just yeah. Well, well, four out of four postseasons. Every time yeah, he's yeah, made yeah. the playoffs, they have put up their lowest point total of the season yeah. in the playoffs. That has happened every time. Yeah. Well, it's how their season ends every time. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. there are some guys, Roethlisberger, 0 for 12. In this case, 0 is good. Right. 12 postseasons. Yeah. Not one time did Roethlisberger put up the lowest point total they ever had in that season in the playoffs. Rodgers, 0 for 8. 
No, 11. 0 for 11. Jim Kelly, 0 for 8. Yep. It was, I saw this and thought, I have to change what I think about Lamar. Because you want to put context on it, that's fine. I think Lamar is a great quarterback, and lots of teams would be lucky to have him. But this was a wow. Yeah. How is that not a wow? It's got got to be. For four. So now the narrative or the the conversation of, you know, did he need that game for his legacy or does he need that? Does he need to prove his ability as a playoff winning quarterback? Like this kind of points to he kind of does. Yes, he does. It's not the same as Allen. Nope. Allen, who's put up insane playoff numbers. It, I, I don't know if this is still true. It was going into the playoffs where he had the best touchdown interception ratio of a quarterback ever in the postseason. He scored 36 in a playoff loss. Allen, among others. And they had a perfect game in the playoffs against New England. And Jackson, every year he's been in the playoffs, he his season ends with the lowest point total they've had all year. Yes. I mean, he's that I think that conversation about him is kind of real. It makes it at least makes me second guess, you know, just bypassing it. Like, oh, this is just what we do. Star quarterback, you that hasn't won yet, this is just what we do. Maybe this is an instance where it's kind of fair. I mean, it's it is backed up. But what is happening that causes this so, for him? Like, right. was, was, he okay. even, was he even bad in the Chief game? Like, or was, I don't know, like, he made some passes. He, he, threw, he, he threw a pretty bad pass. He, I mean, the, the, like, the likely pass was right. horrible. If yeah. Zay Flowers doesn't fumble into the end zone, sure, every single game is going to have not, this player is not the only player to make that mistake, but that's true of everybody. And, you know, give Lamar eight more cracks of the postseason, we'll see what that number ultimately is. But it is four for four. Yeah. And yep. it led me to think, all right, this is not just narrative, not just what have you done for me lately, not just QB wins right. and quarterbacks aren't a win stat, but it was, wow, four times in the playoffs and all four times you exit with your lowest point total of the season where some guys go an entire career without doing that in the playoffs. Right. So it's just, it, it it's wild. So do do with that what you will. We'll get some phone calls in. Ten against Kansas City, three against Buffalo, twelve against Tennessee, seventeen against the Chargers. Those are the four games, and those would be the lowest point totals they yeah. had that year. And the seventeen against the Chargers, remember, like that's not the lowest total that you've ever heard. That was his MVP season, where they were like the number one offense in football. Yeah, and he had fourteen completions in the whole game. Eight, and I don't know eight oh three oh five fifty. Made me think some of the Lamar stuff is fair about the postseason, as opposed to just you know targeting a player because he's high profile. Are you gonna are you gonna call him a fraud? No, not graduating to fraud. No, that's your... we do we we call everyone frauds now that uh that <laughs> have any reasonable you know thing like this. Yep, I guess eight hundred three hundred five fifty on whether it's right to claim the Bills are close to the Chiefs, and uh, you know talking Super Bowl to some point. CJ in Buffalo is next up. Hey, CJ, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, I think you could spin this any way you want if you're just leaving it open to anybody suggesting, are you including the coaches? Are you just including the players? Some people I mean, some people will just go, you know, are you comparing Josh Allen to Mahomes? Um, I kind of lean towards coaching. I think the whole thing is coaching. And I look at how their group of coaching for the Chiefs has been one stable and there's not much changeover due to the fact that they have an offensive-minded head coach and Mahomes 
as great as he is, is has been in the same offensive system his entire career. And if you look at Buffalo, I think this is why I believe we're not close to answer the question. Um, I, I believe it's due to the fact that we have so much changeover that the consistency isn't there. Now, when we had Dayball, every year it seemed like Josh Allen per, uh, completion percentage went up. Like, it got better. He, he slowly but surely was increasing and getting better in things. But when it comes to managing a game, you would obviously take Andon Reid. If it comes to defensive coordinator, you would take uh, Spagnolo. Uh, or if it comes to OC, ours has been changed over. Like, we, we got rid of somebody. So it wasn't up to the Bills' expectations or the coaches' expectations, even drafting. They get players that we wish fell to us, but obviously they would either trade up or they would take somebody, and we'll settle for Elam, and they'll take McDuffie, and, and things of that nature. I'm just saying it comes to coaching, and I think our players can run with anybody. But when it comes to coaching in moments of a game, I, I don't mm. think we can match up with them. That, that's where I am with it, guys. So I would say no as far as my answer. Yeah, not close. And well, coaching being a big element of it. It's hard not to, especially on the offensive side. That's the thing about, you know, h- how different has Josh Allen's system become from year one to year, whatever year this is now, right? It's a bunch of Brian Dable. That stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Ken Dorsey for a year and a half. Then Joe Brady for the second half of that year. Yep. Now we're into a third offensive play caller for Josh Allen. Yep. This is Brady putting his stamp on it. You know, without even making it about the caliber of the coach, and maybe this is, of course, like tied into it, it's just the point I keep coming back to is Andy Reid knows exactly what he wants out of his offense, and the Bills constantly seem to be chasing a little bit of a moving target. What, are they, what they have to be, what they want to be. How should we do this thing? And well, it's, how, how much of that is them trying to escape the, the need for Allen to run to make their offense work? Like, aren't this what that they're trying to do? The the Chiefs don't need that. I mean, maybe they need Mahomes doing his, you know, circling around in the pocket and, you know, creating magic with his legs, not always to run, but to pass. But how much are the Bills trying to figure out, hey, we don't want him running this much, but we can't not have him do it. So what we need to do is find a way to play offense with this guy that works so well that he doesn't have to run and they're missing the target on what that is. I mean, I, 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 that's kind of like, how are they going to open next season? Right, because are they going to try the same thing? Because that target has been J.D. McKissick and Naheem Hines yeah. and James Cook right. and Dalton Kincaid. Right, and like, don't run. Dump it off to the running back yeah. who's over here in the flat. You're going to get the same amount of yardage, and you're not going to take the hit. That guy's going to take the hit. Yep. This year, they very clearly, I mean, they got to 6-6. Six and six. That I don't think it's that much of a coincidence that – they got to 6-6, six and six. then they started taking the handcuffs off Allen to run the ball, and they started winning games. I mean, a lot of their big plays offensively from there to the rest of the season were created because of his legs. Leslie Frazier said at middle of the year that they're easier to defend because you don't have to account for Allen running the football. That's right, but I guess that gets to a root question of, should Allen running be a, fe- a feature of the offense, a crutch, or an escape plan? It should be an escape plan, shouldn't it? That's where I end up land, no, I, the, landing a lot. Is it should be a when he wants to make something happen, that's great. Yeah, but because look at the San Francisco and Kansas City offenses. Both these teams are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and both these teams, um, no one would claim that Brock Purdy's better than Josh Allen. What did Brock? How does Brock Purdy use his legs? He used them a lot in the NFC Championship game. He did. When yeah. hey, here's a moment. I'm mobile enough to run, 
and I can pick up yards and get a first down and extend a drive. And Mahomes does that all the time, too. And for the Bills with Allen, it becomes 12 carries for 72 yards because, really, other things don't seem to be working. Allen runs it in. He gets all these rushing touchdowns. Sometimes it's a tush-push in close. Yeah. Other times it's because he's going to scramble. And there's there's like this – I always feel the push-pull between how much he should run. Forget about injuries. I'm, I'm the kind of person that watches the games in the stands mm-hmm. when I'm there. And if Allen runs it on first down for seven yards, I think, all right, nice. And then if he runs again on second down, I think, how come nothing else works? Right. To me, there's there's it's a double-edged sword. He's good at it. That's great. Yep. How come nothing else is working? I can I've referenced it before. I can remember, I don't know if it was the Minnesota game or maybe the Miami playoff game or the Miami game, I wish it were colder, where they run Allen three times from inside the three, and I think, how come you don't have anything else? No other, t- no other team in the league would lean on this so much, and you lean on this. It's just odd to yeah. me that it, it becomes well, such a – such a crutch that maybe they lean on it too much. Again, like I said, not because I'm afraid of injury, yeah. not because I need to be conservative, but just because if if you are Andy Reid, aren't you just scheming something else? Right. The, well, the, the thing that the Niners and the Chiefs have in common, maybe the Chiefs that's been more uh, true than this year, but the structures of those offenses work, right? Like, they, they are designed to get guys open. They've had... Super skilled players. Again, the Chiefs, it's not as true this year. The Niners, it certainly is. The structures of those offenses work. If I went into a game with either Brock Purdy or Patrick Mahomes and said, these guys are going to have zero rush attempts in this game. Not one. I, I don't think they need to. I don't think the, those offenses work to a degree where I don't need that from those guys. Purdy can do it in the NFC Championship game, but on the season, he had 144 yards of, of rushing. Like, it's not a staple of his game by any means. And Mahomes, the rushing went up this year, but okay, wait a minute. Look at Mahomes' numbers. Why was this year the his best rushing season? Be, was it because he didn't have any, any weapons? He didn't have anybody trusted to throw the football to? Their offense was at its worst form that it's been. So what happens? Oh, Mahomes' running is more of a crutch for the Chiefs than it ever has been before. Is it also a coincidence that Allen's worst rushing year by yardage, or I should just say his lowest rushing year by yardage, 421 yards? Was 2020 when their offense was at its most efficient? I think the bill and I whether we could debate whether it should be a feature or not. I am very confident the Bills don't want it to be. I, I'm very the Bills would like to go into this offseason and say if we land a stud receiver, Troy Franklin, whoever, we bring in another guy, we add explosive plays, we've got James Cook now, all the tight ends we need, the line. All right, our offense. We should be get to a point next year with a full offseason of Brady, a new wide receiver, where the offense just works, and that's how Allen's rushing goes down. Yeah, we don't put in their eyes, we don't put him at risk because we don't need the escape. We don't need the escape, you know, plan for him. One way to ask this is, I mean, you can like Joe Brady just fine. Now Joe Joe Brady gets to install his offense, and we'll find out if he thinks Allen should run it less again. Not like. We're afraid, but no, 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 I'm going to make an offense so good that he doesn't feel the need to. And another way to ask that is like, all right, let's do a thought experiment. The Bills go outside the building. They decided to hire Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson knows he has a quarterback that can run and move and run through guys, and he's amazing. He's a unicorn. 
Is Ben Johnson wanting him to scramble as much, wanting him to run on first and 10 for a gain of eight through the line? Does Ben Johnson want that, or is he going to make sure that things are just built differently? Is Andy Reid going to have him run as much as he does? Is Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan? I think the answer to all those Mm -hmm. questions is no. They wouldn't want to lean on him as much as the Bills do. And again, like there's always this, this, whether you want to call it a line or a gray area, I'm not quite sure which is right. Mm -hmm. Just, no, I'm not afraid of him running. I'm not afraid of him getting hurt. I'm not afraid of being, uh, what I'm asking for is an offense that works, like you said, so well that he just, it's, it's easy for him. Right. Think about Mahomes against the Bills here in this game. Yeah. It was an easy game for him, right? Yep. He had to scramble away from pressure a couple times, but yep. the rest of it was just easy game. Easy game. Now, part of that's because, you know, as someone put on Twitter, uh, we had plumbers playing linebacker <laughs> yeah. and hurt corners. But there's plenty of times where it looks easy for Mahomes. Maybe he just makes it look easy, of course. Tom in Florida. Hey, Tom. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I want to comment on your uh, your poll. Um, I think uh, when defense is healthy, um, I think on both sides of the ball, we can. I agree with your other one of your other callers that we can run with anybody. Um, I think where we fall down in big games is um, our failure to adjust. Um, you look back; I think there's a history of. Um, you know, in big games, you know, we jump out to leads. Uh, I mean, you know, look at Pittsburgh, look at uh, Kansas City. It wasn't a big lead, but we jump out to a lead. We play good. Uh, offenses um, got a little bit of uh, diversity, creativity to it. And then in the, in the second half, uh, we go one-dimensional until it gets late in the game, and then we open it up just like we did against Kansas City, and we're able to move the ball again. Uh, and to me, that's coaching. We don't know how to make adjustments. Um, Kansas City came out. You know, they adjusted their defense. They stopped our run. We didn't have an answer for them. I mean, it's like, you know, we couldn't see that, that Spagnuolo's going to make an adjustment. You know, we almost let Pittsburgh back into the game. Fortunately, they're not Kansas City. And, you know, we were able to, you know, kick it back in. But it was almost you know, too late at that point. And if you look at, you know, throughout the season, throughout the years, it's the same thing. We don't make adjustments. And to me, that's coaching. I agree with one of the other callers. Um, and I guess that's, uh, you know, all I want to say. I, I don't – I think this is a lot of times low-hanging fruit. Just like did they make adjustments. If you want to talk about game planning – Maybe I'll, I'll listen to that. We talked about Lou Anarumo earlier and what he did to the Chiefs and what other defensive coordinators Spagnola has done to other offenses, like he just did to the Ravens and the Bills. But I, I don't like adjustments mid game. Haven't I heard enough from like Peyton Manning and Allen and others that like that's not even really a real thing? I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all. Maybe the Chiefs just started playing better. Is that possible when they stopped the run in the second half? The Bills weren't really running the ball that great all day in the first place. So, I don't know. I think that's over-talked about, if you're asking me. Like, the adjustments are the reason that the Chiefs are the better team than the Buffalo Bills in the last five years. Yeah, I mean, the Bills, were they one-dimensional in the second half of that game against the Chiefs? And they, they ended up running and passing the exact number of times, and they committed the run, and Allen still ran it, and they ran on their final drive. 
maybe to their detriment. Like, what were they supposed to do different? I guess. I mean, we we could uh, Dorian Williams. I mentioned like maybe he should have been in the game all along, and that would have gone better. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty on that. It's easy to say now, but I what what was the big critical thing they were supposed to do differently with their game plan? You mentioned earlier, like one answer could be don't play so slow. Try to do more with bigger plays and go more tempo and play play to score in that game. Don't play to keep Mahomes off the field. That's an adjustment that they could have made. I question whether that would have gone well for them if they were capable at that point in time of playing offensively like that. But, but the larger point, I guess, that Tom's making, whether you want to make it about adjustments or game plan, is that the Chiefs are a better coached team. That's really what he's getting to. Right. Looking at the difference between these two, the Chiefs are better coached. And that wouldn't be a hot take. No. Andy Reid appears to be one of the best ever. You'd take Reid head-to-head. You'd take Reid over McDermott in that matchup, and you would take Spagnola over Joe Brady. Right? I had a thought for a let's get stupid, which is because Mina Kime has pointed out that what the Chiefs also have in their defensive coordinator is a guy that's so good at it, he could get another head coaching job. But he's just satisfied to be a defensive coordinator. And once you get to mm-hmm. that spot, you have a great defensive coordinator who's just fine and doesn't need to be a head coach anymore. Like maybe right. they've already gone that route and they don't. Yeah, he's in his mid sixties at this point. Like, yeah. what, what do I need to try something new for? Exactly. I don't want to move. I don't want to move my stuff. Yeah. Right. I've got a house in Kansas City. What do I want to move? Pick up and move everything. Forward. I'm making good money. I mean, Spagnola was the coach of the Rams for a while, right? St. Louis, way back when. Right. Yes. I forgot about that. So he's been a head yeah. coach. Yeah. He scratched the itch. He's done. He's fine. I'll just I'll do this. Yeah. And to have that as a stable asset, why is nobody hiring Spagnolo as a defense as a head coach? Maybe because one, he's already done it. You don't want to retread. And he's like, eh, fine, whatever. Having that is impressive. I had a real brief thought for let's get stupid. If the Bills fired McDermott and hired Steve Spagnolo, would Andy Reid hire Sean McDermott right away? <laughs> <laughs> Really, uh, really think about it for one second. Yeah. Maybe you think, you know what? We should get Spagnolo. I think Andy Reid would hire Sean McDermott right away. He did fire McDermott in Philadelphia, didn't he? In what year? It was, it was a while ago. In like 2008, 12? Yeah, something like that. He did He did fire him. He was, what, a linebacker's coach or something? No, he was the, he was the defensive coordinator, wasn't he? All yeah, right. he was defensive coordinator. He fired him in 2010, after 2010. So I don't know. Like, no, yeah. he, he could go back to that. Who knows? Anyway, it was a fun let's get stupid idea. McDermott is the... Ch- <laughs> I don't... Man. How do you like that storyline? Now it's a real revenge game. Yeah. For for uh, everybody Everybody involved. involved. Everybody Every, involved. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 803-0550. Your brother, Louie's heading to the Senior Bowl? Yes. He's going to join us next. Locked on Eagles. He's going to Mobile. Wow. Um... And he's up on all the receivers. He's Good. just as excited so for all these guys. So He's an Eagles fan. Do the Eagles need one? No. No. He's Eagles and Bills okay, enough good. to where like, he, he wants the Bills to, to get one of these guys. So. All right. For those of you on the wide receiver train, we'll get you uh, a list of who to be tracking at the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, Joe's brother, Lou, is going to come on next. We're also through the week. Eric Edholm joins us later in the week. We'll check in with some folks at the Senior Bowl through the weekend into Monday and Tuesday to uh, get a look at these receivers. It's the Senior Bowl, and it's not just seniors anymore. Right. One of the fun parts of the Senior Bowl. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lamar Jackson has a passer rating below 80 in five of the six playoff games he's been in. Now, that is nothing compared to what this man does during the regular season. And so, again, right. as I said when I started off the show, when I said there's no other way around, it hurts me to say it, but it's a choke job. What's the definition of choking? It's not if you perform badly. It's when you perform exceptionally until the moment arrives and then you perform badly. Mm-hmm. That right. is what epitomizes choking. Stephen A. Smith on Lamar. The Ravens had their lowest point total of the season. In the AFC Championship game, have the stat last segment for you. Four postseasons for the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, and four times their lowest point total of the season came, or yeah, in the season, came mm-hmm. in the postseason. Their offense does not travel to the postseason the way it yep. operates in the regular season. 803 our phone number, Jeremy and Joe, and uh, Joe's brother Lou, Lou DiBiase on the Western Hotline. Headed for Mobile, Alabama practice. Are you, are you there? Is Lou already there? No, I think you leave, what, Wednesday morning? Okay. Yeah, yeah, in the morning. Very good. You're, you're loving this trip now, right? What is this, year three? Oh, yeah, year three. I mean, you're just eating seafood and watching football for a week. How can you not love it? <laughs> yeah, Mobile, Alabama. I mean, how is the seafood? Is it top tier? Yeah, I mean, if you go down south pretty much anywhere, the seafood's great. I think outside of New Orleans might be the best I've had. So, yeah, outside of that, it's going to be a great roster, too. So I'm excited for the trip. Very nice. Yeah, we've got practices at the Senior Bowl starting today. They go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm actually looking at, like, the schedule of events. There's a couple of parades, legends parades. Parades. Yeah, yeah. Legends of the Senior Bowl? Yes, yes. Senior Bowl Legends Parade, the 75th anniversary team. There'll be a parade for that. Anyway, let's talk about some of the players that are in this year's Senior Bowl. Uh, Lou, are there? Is it is the Senior Bowl only hosting wide receivers? Because I'm I'm <laughs> incapable of seeing any other position in my life right now. No, I totally understand that from a Bills perspective. I mean, yes, this is a really good class from a quarterback perspective. I think the safety and cornerback prospects down there look good. There's actually some underclassmen that are going to be participating in practice this week. But if you look at receiver, it's um, it's a good crop, and I think there's a any style of receiver you want, day one prospects, day two, you know, there's not going to be guys that are picking inside the top 10 in this class, but for where the bills are at the bottom of the first round and in the second and third round for day two, I think there's a lot of guys to like. So yeah, I think this is a good crop just like last year. I mean, last year was kind of underhyped, but then you got Tank Dell coming out of the senior bowl, Rishi Rice, Puka Nakua. So I think there's a lot of good players the Bills should be keeping a close eye on this week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because like this year they've added more than just seniors. And you know how scouting works. Sometimes if you are a senior, that works for you because players like it and you are more mature. But other times I feel like scouts will knock you a bit because if you're coming out as a junior, 
you're more raw, but there's more yeah. upside there. Like, look at this guy. He's a junior, and everybody's good as a senior. And sometimes I think that leads to senior bowl prospects getting slept on a bit. Like, Tank Dell might be a good example of that. Of course, the size, too. He ate up the senior bowl and then got drafted reasonably low and then ate up the NFL. Yeah, no, I think you look at, too, this group, even though there's mostly seniors at the wide receiver position, there's a lot of guys with upside. You look at Tez Walker from UNC, still raw when it comes to his route tree, but, I mean, this guy's 6'2", and he can fly downfield. He might be one of the best home run hitters in this draft class, a great field stretcher. So if that's what the Bills are looking for, and I think they could use some more vertical speed in 2024, Tez Walker from UNC has all the upside in the world, Xavier Ledger from South Carolina. So, yeah, I think I agree with that. Sometimes scouts are a little skeptical why you had to play all four years in college, but you look at every year now, rookie receivers, even last year I thought the class was a little bit weaker, and you get Puka Nakua, Tank Dell, you get Jordan Addison and JSN making plays. So these guys are pro-ready, and I think that extra year of experience sometimes can help. So uh, I like the way you put it earlier, like the way the Senior Bowl kind of works for this, and the top guys not being there, like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Dunze, that this might be the crop the Bills end up picking from if they go in the first round. How many of the guys that are there – that like even if it's one or two names, do you think are in play for the Bills in the first round? Even Walker, I guess, who you just mentioned, right? Yeah, so honestly, for a first-round selection, I think there's Tez Walker from North Carolina. There's Xavier Legit from South Carolina. After that, you start to get more into the day-two range, second and third-round guys like I really like Jamari Thrash from Louisville. You know, not a lot of elite traits, but the guy just makes plays – can scheme him open, run after the catch monster. Kind of gives me almost Devo Samuel vibes coming out of South Carolina. So somebody like Jamari Thrash or uh, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. Those players are, I don't know if any of these guys are bona fide wide receiver one prospects, but if you want to compliment to Stephon Diggs next year, if you want to add another receiver, like let's say you go out and get a tier two Hollywood Brown type of free agent or a Curtis Samuel, and then you want to go in round two or round three, I think that's where these senior bowl prospects more so come into play. And honestly, of the guys that are down there, Tez Walker would be my favorite. But Xavier Alleja from South Carolina, like this guy is 6'3", and for a guy that size, he has rare breakaway speed. He's the one that could be a draft riser that slips into the end of day one. He's the guy that will run a super fast three-cone drill, and then he's going to rise on everybody's yeah. board? Yeah, I mean, when you're 6'3", and if you if this yeah. guy runs like a 4'4", 40 at the Combine in March – yeah, Xavier Ledger from South Carolina is a guy to keep a close eye on. What what are the receivers doing leading up to the game? Like in terms of like what you can tell, like is it like one on one stuff with corners that is kind of, I guess, is that the most fun drill to watch even uh, of this week? Yeah. At least for me, the drills I watch throughout practice, and honestly, most of the scouts actually just stay for the week and they don't really stay for the game. So most of the NFL actually leaves on Friday because they're really looking for, yeah, one-on-ones. They do a lot of seven-on-sevens during practice Tuesday through Thursday. So, and honestly, I think that's the better time to get evaluating because the game, again, it's not like it's a Pro Bowl all-star type where nobody tries, but I think these coaches and scouts want to get their hands, you know, on these receivers, get up close and personal, see the drills, and because they're looking for certain traits. You know, the film is the film at this point. They're not going to really – dramatically change their opinion of these prospects. I think they're going to the senior bowl looking for certain things to either confirm they know from the film or these, you know, the combine, the senior bowl can kind of raise questions. Then you then go back to the film and answer through. 
Uh, the other Bills needs, might as well touch on them uh, as we wrap up, the begrudgingly, might as well. <laughs> uh, defensive line and safety, what, what are we looking at for those in the draft and also this week? Yeah, so I actually really like the safeties, and of course, me covering the Philadelphia Eagles, they need this position too, so I've been watching it pretty close. Uh, Javon Bullard from Georgia could be a first-round pick. He's going to be down in Mobile. I think for the Bills, I don't know if I prefer them to go safety on day one, but there's a lot of good prospects in the second and third round. You'll get a Cameron Kitchens from Miami, had six interceptions in 2022, five in 2023. Might be the best ball hawk safety in this class. He'll be down in Mobile, but... I really like uh, James Williams from Miami, his counterpart. This guy's 6'5". He runs a 4'4'40". I mean, he's not going to be very fluid in man coverage, but if you want a tweener, linebacker, safety, kind of hybrid player in defensive back heavy packages, that's a player to keep a close eye on. So I know Micah Hyde's a free agent. Jordan Poyer's an older safety. I don't think Bill fans would love if they went safety early on, but uh, it's a really good crop this year for sure. I think it's a better class overall, even with underclassmen, than last year. Lou DiBiase covering the Senior Bowl this week. I'm also looking at there's a free concert on Saturday night if you're interested. Oh, do you know who's playing, yeah. Lou? Did you see who's playing? I can't imagine it's anybody great. Um, <laughs> I will be heading home after the game. So it's, actually, it's actually Usher doing a warm up <laughs> for the Super Bowl. It's Counting Crows. Free concert oh, Saturday night for count, Counting Crows. That's not my forte, but uh, you know, <laughs> to each their own. And, but free concert for Counting Crows. I would I would be in. I mean, free's free. Yeah, in uh, Marty yeah, Gross Square, downtown Mobile. I'll stick with the uh, crawfish. There you go. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Lou. Thanks, guys. All right, Lou DiBiase, your brother, covering the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Quick trivia question. This is not instant trivia. I've got that coming up, or we've got that coming up. Which two former Bills are part of the 75th anniversary Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl team that will be in attendance for the parade, I believe? for this I leads mean, this, me to believe everyone's in attendance. I mean, this could be anybody. All right. Mm-hmm. Could be. The only but, I remember Allen being at the Senior Bowl, but Allen's not going to the Senior Bowl. No. He's going to he's going to Pebble. And again, week, right? th- this isn't like seventy five of the best Senior Bowl performances. These yeah. are the best players ever that, that were also were at the th- that Bowl. went to the Senior Bowl. I see. Um, I'm not going to guess Allen because I think is he probably going to be at the Pebble Beach Pro Am this week? Probably. The quarterback is Dan Marino and Brett Favre. Okay. Oh, Brett Favre going to be there? I guess so. Uh, and the two Bills are going to be Sammy Watkins. Nope. Hmm. you got to think way better than that. Sammy Watkins isn't good enough to make this list. This is I don't, a, but they're not getting – well, actually, you just told me Marino and Favre. Marino and Favre. Was, they're not getting the A-list players. They're getting, like, the B-list players. The, the running backs are LaDainian, Tomlinson, Curtis Martin, Sean Alexander, okay. right. and – Oh, it's a Bills running back? Yep. Thurman. Yes. Okay. Thurman. Thurman's going to be there. Uh, Fullback how... Kyle Juszczyk. He probably won't be there. Wide receiver Reggie uh, Wayne, Torrey Holt, Heinz Ward, and... Andre Reed. No. Think bigger. T.O. Yes. Wow. T.O. Your... is going to be there? Those are your two former Bills. That's, That'll be... that's, uh, that's some celebrity power there at the, this thing. Marino and T.O.? Oh, actually, I didn't even look at the defense. Let me see if there's any former Bills on the defense. There, uh, There is a former Bill... No, I shouldn't say former. There's a current bill on this all-time, all 75-year senior bowl team. Current bill. Is, is like, Tredavious White nope. there? Nope. you got to think bigger. Allen? Diggs? Defense. Defense, sorry. Uh, Von Miller. Yes. Von Miller's going to be there. The outside linebackers? 
oh my, I'm sorry, I, I looked past this, another former Bill. The outside linebackers on the 75th anniversary Senior Bowl team are Von Miller and... Outside linebacker? Yep. Uh, is it going to be Cornelius Bennett? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a bunch of former Bills right there. Yep. There you go. 803-0550. Maybe we'll sneak an instant trivia when we get back. Joe Yurden's going to join us top of the hour. I, I asked him to check in with us on the Sabres at the All-Star break and also on his Detroit Lions. So, Bills fans... You know, we feel for people that go through heartbreak like we do, and I asked Joe if we could ask him about his own Lions heartbreak. He's ready for that. So he'll join us coming up 8 o'clock hour. Sabres at the break and, you know, digging deep into heartbreak. That's coming up. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Oh, it's time for Instant Trivia, which is brought to you by... The Farmer's Dog, fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Instant Trivia. Josh has put together Instant Trivia for us today. Let's How about go. that? I have. love it. Yes. So, what do you got? this Super Bowl is going to be the seventh rematch in NFL history. Chiefs and 49ers played back in 2020. They'll play again in two weeks. Okay. Who are the other six rematches? Okay. Super Bowl rematches. So, Bill's Cowboys, obviously. Yes. Yep. That have been back-to-back. Is that the only time it's happened back-to-back? Mm, yes. All right. Okay. How about uh, Patriots-Giants? Good. Twice? Yep. Good. Who else for the Patriots? Patriots-Eagles. Yep. Patriots-Eagles. Patriots-Rams? Yes. Yes. Rams. Yeah. How about the Patriots being here three times? <laughs> Annoying. Um, How about, let's go with... Did the Steelers and Packers play each other like back in the day? Because they did with Rodgers and Roethlisberger. I don't know. They might not line up there. I go back to didn't Favre. Who did Favre beat in pa- the Super Bowl? The Patriots. Oh, okay, never run. How about Niners Bengals? Ooh, correct. Wow. There's two Bengals Super Bowls. Yeah, they are they did. both in the eighties? Yeah. I didn't realize they made it to two. They got smoked in one of them, didn't they? Yes. Like, by a hundred. That, one of them was very close. And the other one was like a giant blowout? Do I have that right? Or did the Broncos get blown out? The Broncos got hammered by the Niners, that's, like 55 to 10. That's the one I think I'm thinking of then. Did the Broncos play anybody twice? Because they were there a couple times. They played Washington and the Giants. I feel like Washington's in here somewhere. Like, Washington and Miami? They played in the 70s. We've got five. We're only missing one other. I'm going to guess Washington, Miami. That is correct. All okay. right. What were the? Do you have the years? You don't on even that? know. You just guess. You're like no, Washington. I, Washington, Miami was 72 and 82. Also, the okay. initial the initial article was incorrect. You guys got a bonus answer of Patriots Rams. Okay. There is one other matchup. Okay. So oh. there's there's one more that we still haven't gotten. Um, it involves one of the teams you are. Maybe they didn't set. count Patriots Rams because one was St. Louis and one was L.A. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, okay, so there's another one. The Cowboys play somebody twice. Mm, we'd this have to go back happened, into like 70 Super Bowls, This right? one happened three times. Three times. Three? Who's met three times? Didn't the Vikings make four Super Bowls? They did. Or three against one team? Vikings-Steelers. No? Close. You have one of the teams. It's Steelers. Steelers. Steelers and... Cowboys. Correct. Steelers and Cowboys? Three times. Where Are, are they all in the 70s? 
Oh, they met in 95? That's 75, right. 78, and 95. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Good trivia. That's the only one that happened three times, huh? We needed the Lions. Poor Lions. Didn't get in there. Yeah. At all. Never been there. Speaking of that, we'll get to Joe Yurden, Lions fan, and um, talk Sabres. Sabres are at their bye week because it's the all-star break in the NHL. So that starts this week. He's also a Newcastle fan, so we should dig at him a little bit on that because he finally had expectations. Just like the Lions. That's what. Yeah, I, right. That's the number one thing I want to ask, which is, if you were a Lions fan, you might have gone into that NFC Championship game thinking, like, listen, I'm not going to let them hurt me. It's not going to happen. I'm not. They're not yeah. going to yeah, you know, how or it is it the or is it the oh five oh six Sabers where like this is magical? It's never going to end. We're going no, all the way. I, I, oh look, we're beating them, and that boom, all your defensemen got hurt. In the I, second I'm half. eager to ask him if he believed at twenty four to seven, because I saw people were booking flights to Vegas that were Lions fans wow. at twenty at uh, halftime. Would you have been doing that? The Bills are up twenty four to seven on the Chiefs at halftime. Are you booking a flight? You're insane. No, I'm not, but. There, there are people that would do that, right? What's your, what's your win probability then? There like are ninety-five percent. There are people that get tattoos when they, they make an off-season no, signing. That's <laughs> when they sign Christian Kirksey. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. So, a quick check in on the Sabers, along with Joe's thoughts on uh, his beloved Lions. Joe Yordan joining us when we get back. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. They've been aggressive all year. Obviously, when you're aggressive and it doesn't work, you know, it's, it comes back to bite you. And they come back to bite him yesterday. And, again, I would have taken the points. I've been in those situations. I, I look at them and I say, okay, this is the opportunity for you to continue to keep the pressure on the 49ers to make great plays. And you were in a good position. So, you no, know, it's an aggressive coach, an aggressive mentality. I'm sure the players really wanted to go for it, you know, when you're on the field and you feel like you let them down. But, you know, at the same time, the coach has got to make – in his mind, the best decision to win, and and obviously didn't work out for the Lions. Tom Brady, part of his podcast on uh, Dan Campbell's decision-making in that NFC Championship game. Please don't replace Greg Olson with Tom Brady. <laughs> Please don't replace Greg Olson with Tom Brady. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Jeremy and Joe with you. We'll talk a little bit about that Lions game and some of those decisions. Yesterday was an all-timer in the whole, like, here come, here come the conversations about every... The nerds. Every bit of analytics. That's my favorite part about this. It's always been, for me, one of my biggest beefs with every time this comes up. You go to the studio show, and here's Boomer Esiason or whoever mm-hmm. yelling at the people that have taken over football. And it's like, when will someone acknowledge that it's the head coach that makes these decisions? Mm-hmm. It's Mike Florio yesterday, a big, long piece, anecdotal story, how one coach told him people that believe in this stuff don't belong in the sport. And you just want somebody to shake him and say, buddy, Dan Campbell made the call. Biting kneecaps guy is the guy that made the call. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, with that, Joe Yurden of uh, NotedHockey.com, uh, contributor Bleacher Report, and also noted Lions fan joins us on the uh, Western Hotline. We're going to talk Sabres at the break, but we're going to dig in. We're going to dig into your emotions, Joe, for a minute on the Lions because uh, Joe and I, Joe Sneaky Joe and I were discussing, did you ever get to a point where you truly believed during that game, or were you were you protecting yourself at halftime? The uh, the fun part, fun in uh, heavy quotations here. Uh, the fun part of being a Lions fan is that you never believe. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, it, it's you know, call it self defense, call it you know, protecting your heart, call it all that stuff. But you don't believe until 
you know, the, 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 the final zeros are on the board. You're like, Oh, okay. They did it. Or, <laughs> Oh, yep. There we go. That's, that's how that goes. You, you know, I, the, the whole time, and, you know, I know people are just like, oh, they blew a lead to Dallas. I'm like, brother, they've been blowing leads as long as I've been a fan of the team. And, you know, big leads at halftime, big leads third quarter, anytime. They just, they they always do it. And, you know, this was the first time I think all, jeez, uh, forever. I mean, even, you know, even being a kid watching the, the Barry Sanders teams, it was always like, well, they're going to blow this somehow. And this was the first time around where, you know, they beat the Rams the way they did. That was the first time where it was like, oh, well, well, that's a different thing. They didn't blow it. They didn't blow it. And they, they pulled out a win. And even the Tampa game was, was a little bit of that, although I felt they had that game in, under a lot more control. Um, but, you know, you're talking about them playing the number one team in the NFC. And it's a road game. And the last time they won a road playoff game was 1957, you know? So it's, it's, it's a lot of those things where it's just evidence is stacked up against it saying they're getting, if they win this, it's, it's almost miraculous. You know, even they could have been up, it could have been 40 to nothing and then won 40 to 39. And it would have been like, well, <laughs> there we go. Same old lions, but they would have won, but you know, it wasn't like that this time. And, you know, I, I, I said it very briefly on Twitter yesterday. They died how they lived. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it, it. You know, for people being like, "Oh my God, can't you? You know, can you believe they they went for it? They they, they didn't go for these two. Yeah, I can. I watched it all year. I've been watching it, watching Campbell coach this team this way forever. So you know, since he took over. So it's you know, it stinks. It stinks for them to lose. But I don't know. I I can I can kind of be proud of them for just kind of always sticking to their guns and and being who they are. Joe, I made a comparison yesterday about, you know, you you live here and watch the Bills, too, and see how they play. Mm-hmm. I made a comparison to Bills fans and how they feel about Josh Allen, who, you know, he th- there's going to be a game along the way where you die like you live, which is throwing down the field, making freakish plays, jumping over linebackers. If he fumbles on one of those plays, we're all going to look at it and say, like, well, that that's who we all signed up for. Joe's over mm-hmm. here saying ride mm-hmm. or die. It feels to me like Lions fans would probably feel the same way about Dan Campbell. He came in, he changed things, he's fun, he's good, and hey, if if we die that way, that's how we live. So you know, he's our guy. Who cares? Yeah, and I think I think you know, I, I, in all the yelling and all the stuff that's been going on since that game ended, uh, you know, people screaming about this, and you know, even I, you know, a buddy of mine, you know, and forgive him for this, he's a huge Patriots fan, he's a lifetime Pats fan, unforgivable. And I, <laughs> but he was screaming up and down about how, you know, and, you know, maybe he's doing this, maybe he's doing it just for, you know, trying to get reactions out of people or whatever, because, you know, he's got my, myself and a couple other, a couple other buddies from college who were, who were Lions fans, but, you know, he was trying to invoke this, you know, the Lions being close like this to being like the Red Sox. And, you know, it's like, oh, cursed franchise, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, brother, the Red Sox, I get, cause they're always there. You know, they're always, they were always in the playoffs and they always fell short. It's the first time the Lions have been in the playoffs in, in years. And this, the, you know, the, the first time they had been in a position to be in the NFC title game since 92. And before that, I don't know, the 50s. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's more like the Cubs or, or you know, the, the Indian Guardians, you know, kind of, kind of setup where they're there so, so, so few times and so, so rarely. It's kind of like, I don't know we signed up for this. We're good. <laughs> you know, like this, this is our, this is our lot in life and this is how it goes. But 
you know, for, for me to, to be critical of Dan Campbell in these moments, no way, man. Like, if he coaches like a normal, you know, like a garden variety coach, that yeah. they don't make the playoffs. They don't make any of this progress, and he probably would have got fired a year ago. So, you know, it's you, you sign up for this and you accept it. And I think, you know, that watering that down somehow is just it makes him not him so that's that's okay yeah i saw this by the way that they were on in fourth and three or shorter this season the lions were 17 of 20 at converting like they were they were very good in those situations and also i don't know if if you agree with this or you get the same sentiment because you would have watched more of their games closer than i did but I get the sense that Campbell's not also just like got a math guy in his ear and he just listens to everything that that guy says because if you remember the Cowboy game, fourth and seven, or not fourth and seven, what was it, two-point conversion from the seven, Mm -hmm. and Joe, like everyone on Twitter as he's about to go for that is going, "Uh, no, this is dumb, the numbers even are way in favor of kicking the extra point now. And there was mm-hmm. Campbell still like, no, I'm going for it. So, like, yeah. I almost wonder if it is a little bit of gutalytics from him, but he's just, you know, he's in line with, I guess, what the analytics say more often than other guys that do gutalytics. Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's definitely a coach that's, you know, up in the booth that's saying, like, okay, you know, or he's asking, okay, what do the numbers say? All right, well, here's what I was going to do anyways. You know, <laughs> you know, I could see him being one of those guys, and, you know, it, that, that coach can tell him, you know, the numbers and give them, give them all the, the information, but he might just say like, no, nah, I think now's the time we're going to try this out. Um, you know, and, and I mean, you know, listen, the, 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 that NFC title game, I mean, geez, you know, if, if Reynolds makes it, you know, one, one catch that would have been impossible uh, and another one later that probably should have made, <laughs> he, yep. you know, mm-hmm. it falls right on his hip. He's got to make that catch, but you know, we're, we're, we're talking, you know, a whole different, kind of thing here but like that's the, the ifs and buts and shoulda coulda woulda's that where you know you're gonna drive yourself crazy thinking about mm-hmm. these things you know the i mean people are mad about the third and one third and one or uh third and goal play where they run it and i'm like i don't know if, if he calls pass there golf's gonna be swarmed over from that side of the line and he's either running for his life or he's or he's throwing you know some kind of you know trying to throw something you know maybe that's not gonna work and it's the same result but i don't know it, it's it, it, it's it's kind of like having you know your fates assigned to you, but you know I don't know. Campbell's been able to to kind of buck that for for most of his time being a Lions coach, where you know the fate of the Lions is to be the loser, to the fall in line behind Minnesota or Green Bay, and just you know just accept that you're a loser franchise. He's kind of changed that a little bit. Joe Yurden, on this has been talking with a Lions fan that's a friend of yours. <laughs> Now we'll, we'll shift gears, Joe, from a team that had a good season, a good, fun, arguably overachieving season, to a team that's having a uh, really dreadful underachieving season, the, the Buffalo Sabres. Here we are at the All-Star mm-hmm. break. You you cover the Sabres and write about the Sabres at your website, notedhockey.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Quinn injury, another thing that's gone wrong. Joe, here's the challenge. What's gone right for the Sabres to this point, in your opinion? I mean, you really have to hunt for it. You do. Um, is it Paterka? Like, is that all I've got? Is Paterka continues to be good? There's not a lot going well for them. They have a goalie, maybe that's not yeah. you know, horrible. L- Lukanen's yeah. been a nice story, and after that, like, yeah. it's, it's tough. Yeah, I, I think you guys nailed both of them. <laughs> I think yeah, Paterka, Paterka emerging is a, is a is a great thing because I think we're all kind of half expecting that to happen, saying like, well, he's got a year under his belt. Let's let's see where he goes from here. And I think we were saying that about Quinn too until you know we had that. 
had that nixed for us right before the draft started. But, um, but yeah, it's Paterka and it's Lukanen, and you know, I, I you know, it, the Lukanen thing is is great to see because, you know, you've been needing a goalie to to take the reins and just kind of go with it and and see where it goes from there. Even still, you're kind of holding your breath just a little bit because we saw a little bit of that last year from Lukanen. But although I'll say the body language and his attitude and everything are night and day from last year. You know, last year there was still some of that. Uh, a little bit of the deer in the headlights with Lukanen, you know, while, you know, he was so good through November and December and then had a couple of bad starts in that January that it was like, uh Oh, and then things really went off the rails. I, he seems to be a much different player this year. And I'd say that kind of knowing that, I don't know, anything can happen, you know, given how the way, the way things have gone this season. But, um, but I, I love the way Paterka's playing right now. It's really unfortunate that the all-star break has come up um, because anybody who's on a heater, you want to see him keep doing it. And, you know, a week and a half away where you know, he's probably going somewhere nice, sunny and warm and hanging out, hanging out with some of the other guys for, for the next week. But um you want to see him continue that, but it's yeah, yeah. The the bright spots have been been pretty few and far between. Yeah, I love the way Benson's played, um, but you want to see more offense. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it, it's tough. It's tough being 18 and his size in the NHL and trying to you know find ways to to get to the net and not you know get your head taken off all the time. You know that's hard, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I say up and down. I absolutely love the way he's playing, but it's you know, it's hard. I mean, he hasn't scored a goal since mid December. Hasn't had a point since December thirtieth. It's it's tough. It's tough. But you know, maybe maybe now with Quinn being out, maybe that's the the chance to put Benson in that spot with Paterka and Cousins, who's playing. Cousins is playing very well here now the last couple of weeks, so that's good. But um, but I I don't know I I. I, I keep thinking back to how it went this summer when, you know, Quinn gets hurt and they didn't do anything to address it and just said, we're going to, you know, the, the competition's going to stay internal. Um, they didn't say that, but that's how it ended up working out. And, you know, it hasn't, hasn't really paid off. Hasn't really worked. Um, so you want to see them maybe do something here. Maybe, I don't know if you call up Kalik. I don't know if, you know, like how you handle it. They've got tons of guys already at forward. So, um, it, it, it's tough. You need you need a guy that can score to go in that spot. But I just I I don't know. I I would love to see Adams do something here to kind of show, show that hey yeah we keep talking that we're interested in the, that you know we're in this playoff race. Well here's something to help that out. I just don't know if that's going to happen though. Joe Yerden on the Sabers at the break here their bye week and the All Star break. Don Granado week off because they are of course on the break. Joe, the biggest question I have about the Sabres is, will they at any point show any urgency? Because it has been a franchise defined by inaction, and here's a season that has gone pretty much the wrong way. They got four out of six on that road trip. They're still nine points out. And I I don't know if this offseason will look urgent or if ever they will look like a team that thinks that they, they must make the playoffs at some point as the drought continues and lingers. I, I think that's my question. There becomes what what does urgency mean at this point? Because we're what we get thirty three games to go. I think we're forty nine games. Yeah, so thirty three games to go, nine points out. The the numbers are stacked against you. Is the urgency? Do you want to see the urgency on the ice? I think yes. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. Yes. You want to see urgency from the front office? I think also yes. 
I think you want to show me some signs of life here because, uh, you know, and I, and I get it. The perception from the outside is different than what the expectations were on the inside, I think. Uh, although, you know, you ask anybody up and down, ask Adams, ask Granado, they all say playoffs was playoffs is the goal. Playoffs was the goal. That's always the goal every year. Okay, great. Um, but I, I, you got to show me some signs of life here because everybody, everybody in town is really bad. The fans are, the fans are not quite a pop tick about this, but it's pretty close. Um, and you got to show, you got to show that, you know, Hey, we're, we're sorry about the first half. Here's, here's what we're supposed to be. Show something like that, because right now you're, you're looking at a Sabres team. That's what got the six best lottery odds. And that's not where this team's supposed to be right now. We're not, we're not supposed to be scouting out Macklin Celebrini. We're, we're not <laughs> mm-hmm. like none of us should be like paying this close attention to the draft, but yet this is where it's, where it stands right now. But you know, you know. Listen, it, it's been up to the players. The players will tell you every time that it's that's on them. They gotta they gotta prove it. But I think you gotta see you gotta see something more, maybe out of the front office. I don't know if it means making a deal or making a deal that you're supposed to make over the summer that you didn't make, but now it's time. I don't I don't know what that looks like from from anybody else off the you know off the ice because it's not. I mean. You put you you play you play the cards that you got, but it's it's been tough, and and I know any sort of reasons and you know excuses that come from the people up top are not going to be accepted by any any of the fans in town. Yeah, the 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 deal too that should be made because like even you know I I hear that and think oh they're nine points out like what am I. What am I really trying to do here? Am I trying to get back in just to get into the race? Am I just trying to get meaningful games in March again? You know, like what what's the goal here if their odds are so low and they've got so many teams and points to climb over? But like even even if it's going to extend into the future, Joe, like they've they got to make a trade at some point, right? Like here here they are again. Scott Wheeler this morning's got them as like the number two prospect pool in the league, and they've got all these forward prospects and. You you talk about like okay like Kulik maybe up for Quinn but at some point you know that two for one type of trade involving prospects or three for one trade I feel like even if you got to do it at some point right like they can't never do it there's just too many guys that can't all make the team at some point yeah and they've got I mean there's areas they got to address there's needs they have to to look into. Right. And I, the, the, the name, the name I keep coming back to is David Juracek in Columbus because I see a young defenseman and again, you know, young player, I get it, whatever. I see a young guy who's going through it, but is also mad. And I, I don't know if you saw Aaron Portsline's story there uh, recently where Juracek's basically like, I don't know why I'm not in the NHL. Like, this team stinks. I should be there playing there. I don't know why I'm in Cleveland. You know, there's no, there's no reason for me to be, for, for, to be doing this. He's like, Hey, you know, it's great in Cleveland. The guys are great, but I ain't supposed to be here. I look at that as an opportunity to say, Hey, listen, we got a bunch of prospects. If we want to make a prospect swap here, how does that sound to you guys? And you know, maybe I, you know, if, if I, if I'm Kevin, maybe I'm calling calling Yarmo and saying like, Hey man, I don't know if you're, if you've got a lot of time left there, but let's, let's swing a deal. Let's try to make something happen. Um, you know, that's, I think that's the kind of trade where you can, if you're going to trade some of your own prospects, getting another one, getting somebody else's prospect in returns, not such a bad plan, but 
Um, but I mean, that's just one, that's just one thing. I don't know, you know, I, I, and I don't know if like a 19, 19 year old defenseman is going to, is going to move the needle for, for anybody here. Or if people have the patience for that kind of stuff here to add another young guy to the mix. But I don't know. I, I see a right, right shot defenseman. And I start thinking like, Oh boy, this would be fun to have for, for a while. This would be a good idea. And Oh wait, he's Yuri Kulik's best friend. Wow. That sounds cool too. Let's make that work. But um, but that's, but that's like just a, just one of the handfuls of, you know, dream possibilities you can come up with for finding the best way to move some of the guys that you just know that you're going to run out of spots to, to try to, you know, create a future lineup for them. Joe Yurden on the Western hotline of uh, noted hockey and the maintenance day podcast and contributor to bleacher report. Joe, thanks very much. Sorry about the lions. We're excited to watch them next year though. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how they handle expectations because uh, yeah. I know they're, they're the hopeful ones this year because of the way they finished last season. But uh, it's it's going to be a lot harder. Green Bay certainly looks like they're not going to fade, so and we'll see. And Chicago looks like maybe they might finally get something together. We'll see what they do at quarterback, though. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, they're the other they, they, they're the Lions with better PR in that division. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Joe Yarden. You can follow him at. Uh, NotedHockey.com. When we get back, Joe, from the makers of wedding idea of the day, mm-hmm. wide receiver idea of the day? Yes. Right? Yes. So I had somebody yep. yesterday on Twitter say to me, hey, forget about drafting a guy in the first round. What about signing this guy? Tell you who that is. Hmm. We'll kick that around as the wide receiver train idea of the day. And are there enough receivers to get us all the way to the draft? There probably are. How many days between now? When when's the NFL draft this year? Ooh, we're gonna count down on the board. We we th- we should already have that up there. Yes, we, we have, should. Uh, April twenty fifth is round one, and there are until April 25th, not January 25th. 86 days. 86 days. Can we come up with 86 wide receivers? I mean, there's weekends in there. We don't have to even do it. Fair. Or how many weekdays? We're like 60. Only 60 weekdays-ish. I think we could, think we could come anyway, up with 60. wide receiver idea of the day it was sent to me. I promptly shot it down. But maybe you'll like it. We'll see. That's up next. You want to be efficient, you want to be explosive, it's hard to be both. That being said, however, you need to create explosive plays. When you look at scoring points, usually a scoring drive has baked into it an explosive run or an explosive pass. I understand that, we understand that, and that's part of us moving forward as we look at our roster and we look at player acquisition, something that we need to take a hard look at. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. You're going to hear that explosive plays clip. A lot for the next 86 days. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Talked a lot about whether or not the Bills, it's right to claim they're close to the Chiefs. You can join us on that. You can vote in our Twitter poll. But wide receiver idea of the day. Yes. Okay? Let's do it. I had a message. Yeah, hit that horn. By the way, when do we formally announce that it's going to be two receivers that we're demanding two? Um, what would you like to formally announce that we, might, we we could we we might should we fall in love with two different ideas first like you gotta have two guys ready to go it's like your two favorite 
Because like for me right now, I have Troy Franklin. Yes, I would need gr- Troy Franklin a- and another guy. And like, okay, this is what I want. Definitively. My two guys because they need two. Yeah. I look at it more like you're building a Thanksgiving dinner and you need a couple of different sides. Mm-hmm. Like, Alan's the turkey. Yes, and, and I'm, we need yeah. some some mashed potatoes. We're going to need a casserole. We already have D- Diggs is the stuffing. Fine, it's the start Perfect. of the show. We got that. I, so you need different styles of yeah. receivers here. You got a Troy Franklin. Boom, done. That's one. I need another one. So to this point on the wide receiver idea of the day, I want to also mention how significant it is that the Bills, if they do move on from Gabe Davis, how significant that is. They love him. Yeah. They love him. Yep. Hardest worker, iron, but all the good stuff, right? Everything about Gabe, they love him. And if they're let him walk, that's the salary cap in action. So to a point here about the salary cap, the cap's not real. The cap's not real. Like, What can they afford? What can't they afford? If they're telling you they can't afford Gabe Davis, if they could afford him, I think they would keep him. I really do. But they can't. You think? They signed Dawson Knox to big money. Yeah, they signed their own guys. And I think if they could afford Gabe, they would pay him. But did they know when they paid Dawson Knox that means we're not paying Gabe Davis? Did they project we, that out at the time? We talked about that at the time. It had to be we one did, of yeah. the two. We said they, they can't pay Gabe now. So put that aside. All right, so Gabe's, Gabe's gone. Yep. Yesterday, someone last night wrote to me, I think his name is Reno, wrote in and said, forget wide receiver at 28. How about Hollywood Brown? Marquise Brown, free agent wide receiver? Formerly of the Ravens, got traded for a first-round pick, by the way, to the Cardinals. Yep. Yep. Marquise Brown. How do you like the idea of Marquise Brown, a free agent, to join this team? He's had 100 targets four years in a row. He, though, is... Isn't he, to a T, the explosive plays that McDermott was just talking about in that clip? Yes. He's super fast. He's down the field. He's a separator, too, right? Um, he runs the speed routes very, very well. I'm reading it. Matt Harmon's receptionperception.com about Marquise Brown. Like, what okay. do we, and he ran a four two seven at, the, at yeah. the combine way back when, or at his pro day back. A lot when. of speed, yeah, a lot of deep threat potential. Not exactly a complete receiver. What Matt Harmon basically writes about him is he's underrated, and what he does well, he does really well. This is not a complete receiver. This is not somebody right. that does everything for you. He's not going to block like Gabe Davis did. Sure. I don't think. I don't think he's 5'9". Right, like, right. I'm just not expecting that. He, he might be your next John Brown. Yeah. And they both played for Arizona. Maybe that comparison's not great. but well, I kind of like that. He, the, John Brown was a burner back in the yeah. day that was like a good route runner at everything. I don't hate the idea of Marquise Brown as a player, as a type. There's a problem. Track puts his market value at $14 million. Four years, mm-hmm. actually closer to 15, four years and $60 million. Sal writes in that Brad Spielberger says Marquise Brown's one of the top guys the Bills might and should pursue when he was on One Bills Live. All right, so $14 million, instead of Gabe, it's going to be on Marquise Brown. Now, the guy that wrote this to me said, forget first-round receiver, go Marquise Brown. And to me, that is an absolute no. There is no world in which the Bills can ignore receiver and pay for it they have mm-hmm. to draft one they have to get young and cheap and if they sign marquise brown it just can't be 14 million dollars right do they have 14 
This I was is, gonna say, at what point? How high is the number when you go? Okay, they can't do that. Or like, like in your mind right now. None of us are capologists here, but like, we we understand it enough. Like, what was Leonard Floyd last year? That was the one year, nine million dollar contract. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that the max that we think they could do it, for a veteran receiver, it, even if it's with a rookie? Here's what I would ask though. Instead, if if Marquise is Marquise Brown getting more money than Gabe Davis? I think he should, but I bet I bet they're pretty close. I bet maybe he's a couple million more. Okay, so yeah, a couple million. More. If the Bills had thirteen million to spend on receiver, would they spend thirteen on Marquise Brown or ten on Gabe? What's more likely? They love Gabe. It's all we ever hear. Aren't they just going to keep their guy, who is the right guy and works and everything? And but don't I want to trust them to know? That they need a different skill set, so they'll they'll they will add another skill set. The question gets down to as the wide receiver ideas start to flow in, like we said, the Thanksgiving dinner. They need one of these and one of these and one of these. If they get Marquise Brown, I'm not mad about that. They must draft one in addition to signing a guy like Marquise Brown. Yeah. I just think Marquise Brown ends up being too expensive. Right. Four four years, fourteen million a year is Spotrek's rough estimate. He's a 27-year-old wide receiver. Yep. That I'm. I've got Diggs at year, at age 30, and now Marquise Brown at age 27. And I mean, don't get me wrong. The explosiveness and what he can do on the outside that lines up. Yeah. Right. What, where it doesn't line up is he's not young and cheap. And this team, they need to start getting young and cheap. Right. No, I agree with that. I mean, because what Brown does is he satisfies your short-term need for who's my best for next season. Who is a better idea? Who's going to give me more opposite of Stephon Diggs? Like, Marquise Brown might be a more safe answer to that question than who they draft. Than Troy Franklin. In the first round, sure. Like, I, I think first round receivers are hitting at a, at a rate where I don't think it's much of a risk. But you know what Brown is. And in that way, like, you're paying for it because you're getting, assur- you're getting assurance that this player is going to be exactly what I'm looking for. But what he's not is any type of idea to be your down-the-road number one receiver to replace Stephon Diggs. You're not do- no. He's not that. That's right. Because when Diggs is 33, and maybe that's when they move on from him, or he's at a point where he's playing in the slot because he can't get open you know, the way he used to, now Marquise Brown is 30 years old. And even in Baltimore and in Arizona, he's been good. Is he like... The guy you want being your number well, on a great team. Is he your number one wide receiver? No, definitely not. You might rather have him be your number two. He'd be a great number two. Yeah. So, like, what I'm getting from Troy Franklin, what I'm getting for Xavier Worthy, what I'm getting from, you know, who was uh, the guy my brother was talking about last hour from uh, North Carolina? Uh, uh, Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett. Like, uh, any of these guys, I'm thinking this guy's helping me in that Marquise Brown way for year one, and I've got the potential that three years down the road, this player's developed into my future number one receiver. They need to start taking swings at that. Because the longer they push that down the road, the the harder it's going to be to replace the Diggs production when they need to do it. And you never know when you need to do right. it. It's possible they need to do it right now. Which is why, again, like the Brown idea, I'm setting aside. I'm not against it. But I will not listen to it instead of the first round receiver. I just can't do it. You need to get it down to where it's like a ch- 
It just doesn't seem he, likely what, what, that he'll get down to the contract that makes it sound like like I in my dream scenario I tweeted about yesterday. I had a rookie receiver in there with Troy Franklin, and I had Kendrick Bourne in there because Bourne's another one of these like route runner guys. It, s- it sounds like he's underrated from a lot of the the people that study him. But the reason I put Bourne in there is because he's he's looking at like one year four million dollars. Right. When they signed Emmanuel Sanders, it was one year six million. Yeah, like that. Like that's that is perfect if they can find that. Yeah, and uh, hell, if you told me Marquise Brown's market for whatever reason was completely shot, and I can get him a well, one year, like I would, th- oh my gosh, I would do a cartwheel through the streets could, if, he, could, if that happened. Could the Bills possibly get to? All right, it's a year where could they get him on a Beckham deal? I mean, again, like Beckham was fifteen and six, Beckham got well, sixteen. Hopkins was lower than that. Was Hopkins it? was a little lower? Could you get Marquise Brown on a? Hey, come here. Prove yourself and get paid. I just it's you're it's tough because he's at he's a he's little late for seven. That. Right. He's not thirty one. Right. He's a yeah. little old for that. So I don't like your chances. But Marquise Brown as an idea, Joe, as we're talking about different types of receivers you'd like to see play with Josh Allen. I had a thought yesterday of find me a Deshaun Jackson. Get me one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Burner. That when Josh Allen throws it seventy yards in the air down the field, he's five yards behind the secondary because he's so fast and all he does is catch deep touchdowns you want to make sure that you can open up your deep passing game not just like over the top passing game but if everybody has to back off because i've got whether it's marquise brown or deshaun jackson or somebody like that a burner then maybe it opens things up so this wide receiver idea of the day of marquise brown if you want to give us a call go for it 803-0550 i don't hate the player i cannot substitute it for the first round pick which is what the suggestion came in via Twitter. Joe and Attica. Hey, Joe, good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, you know, by the time we get to this point next year, we're going to be like, Gabe who? Because we're going to draft a first-round wide receiver, and I really think that we should go after probably like a fourth-round wide receiver as well. we got to get mm-hmm. younger at, at that position, and I, I guess I'm okay with us bringing in some sort of cheap rental for a year, but you know, mm-hmm. the, the goal every year needs to be we have to draft the wide receiver Every year, yeah, and keep that pipeline going. I tend to agree. They I mean, need, this is the Packers. Right? They, the they, Packers they, just they need this. to find their way yeah. to somebody that can play a role. And within two years, they'll need an entirely new receiver core for Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, Shakir even then will be up. That'll be ah, uh, that might be three years, right? He's, he just played a second year. Oh no, you're right. So he's two more two more seasons. So I mean, maybe third off, maybe he now. stays. Maybe he gets paid. But the point is that Diggs, I mean, Diggs is definitely here for another year or two and can continue to, I think, be very good. But the future, planning this out, look at how they planned with defensive ends, right? It's It mm-hmm. was, you can never have enough defensive ends. And they just drafted Epinesa and Boogie Basham and Greg Rousseau and signed Vaughn and signed Leonard Floyd. They need to treat receiver like they have treated defensive ends. I was going to say, because the other thing, too, here is, like, I, I listen, the, the Leonard Floyd contract we just mentioned, and, like, I think the Bills are going to need to draft first or second round at least wide receiver. Like they just have to do it. And okay, do they have fourteen million dollars to pay Marquise Brown? They might, but the pro- the problem, like in in terms of just like, could they theoretically do it? They could do it if you plan on your all of your other additions being like vet minimum contracts. And, and I don't see that because. If I'm spending a first round pick on a receiver, and if I want to spend five, six million dollars, 
on my other veteran receiver that can be my insurance in case the rookie isn't ready to play right away for whatever reason. Uh, I've got a, a certain amount of dollars that I need to use for smart, calculated signings at the defensive line and at safety, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't go bare bones there. I got to. They're gonna do something. Maybe they don't sign a nine million dollar Leonard Floyd, but. Do they need to spend five million bucks on what defensive tackle is going to be? Do they need to spend eight million dollars on def- what defensive end is going to be? Do they need to spend four on another safety? Like they're going to have to pick and choose at those other positions if they're going to invest the big stuff in wide receiver. You invest a first round pick or a second round pick in receiver, and you sign Marquise Brown. Uh, you are at vet minimum guys at those other positions, and they're not going to do that. Eight zero three zero five fifty. If you're on hold, we'll get right to your call. We're going to get a break in. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. Stat of the day, we each have one before we get to a call. Stat of the day. Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. All right, Josh, I want to decide which one's better. Yeah, you go. You go All first. Right. So I know what I have to beat. So no Alabama players are on the Niners or the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. No player who finished college at Alabama has scored a point in a Super Bowl. Finished college might be a cheat. A little bit. 143 other colleges, including the Coast Guard, have scored in the Super Bowl. But nobody that finished at Alabama, drafted out of Alabama, if you will. Okay. That's your entry for stat of the day. My entry for stat of the day is, I learned this yesterday, the 1992 Dream Team, basketball Dream Team, Michael Jordan. The 1992 basketball Dream Team, their head coach Chuck Daly never called a timeout during the entire tournament. (laughs) <laughs> wow, that's what I learned. They never needed to draw something up against Angola. Did not call a single timeout. <laughs> I think I gotta go with the Alabama. On that. Oh. But the timeout? That, no, I don't know because like you're I mean, Alabama. Like you don't need a timeout if you're Michael Jordan. Right. Apparently right. not. Tell Alabama. The, tell tell is, that to Phil Jackson. He called timeouts. Yeah. This is like the football powerhouse of the last at least two decades, if not all time. Is it cheating though? Is it only guys that finished? You tell me, like, or just do underclassmen count? I think the only person that I can think of as to why this would be that is because Jalen Hurts would ruin the stat then. Yeah, but he played at Oklahoma. He got drafted out of Oklahoma, and he had a better career at Oklahoma too, right? I mean, he was in the national championship game at Alabama, but he got benched. Fortua. He right. He had better numbers at. Uh, didn't he win the Heisman at Oklahoma, or was he a Heisman candidate? Candidate. I don't think he won it. All right, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Jimmy in Miami. Hey, Jimmy. Good morning. Hey, hey guys. Good morning. Hey, um, I, I don't think we're any closer to the Chiefs. I mean, we can't even get by Cincinnati, so I don't even know why people would think that we're closer to the Chiefs. Uh, with Burrow and Cincinnati, we lost to them twice. So uh, I, this was the year with Kansas City at home, obviously, and with their offense not not doing as well as they have in pre- previous years. And with our defense, even with our defense shredded as it was, I mean, you, you give me Josh Allen with the ball at the 27-yard line with two minutes to go, I'll take that any day. But for some reason, it just didn't happen. The plays that were called, whatever, I wish I had that third down back, you know, and uh, <clears throat> something else was called. But I, I just don't see how we're any closer. And, uh, I mean, like you guys were saying, we really need a receiver. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna help a lot if we can get something in the first round. 
Um, but I, I just don't see it. Um, I, hey, I had one other <clears throat> one other thing, if you don't mind, a funny yeah. little story about, about Gabe Davis. Uh, if, if I could bring that up. Um, okay, mm-hmm. obviously I'm down here in Miami, and I, I listen to WQAM uh, mostly in the afternoon, you know, because I'm always listening to you guys in the morning. But anyway, uh, they had Javon Holland, the safety on one day. And, you know, they get silly down here on the radio and they're asking him all kinds of silly questions like uh, who's the funniest guy in the team room and uh, I don't know, crazy stupid things. But anyway, they asked him uh, how, and they asked him who's the toughest player you ever played against in the NFL. And, and he's only been in the league since I think 2021, but he's a pretty darn good safety. And I thought he was going to mention, you know, somebody like uh T. Higgins or Jamar Chase or somebody like that. And he said Gabe Davis was the toughest guy that he's played against. And they asked him why. And he says, well, he says, the guy drives me crazy. He says, uh, he, he said, well, I'm paraphrasing, you know, but he says he has a habit of like getting in my way whenever I'm trying to get to a play. Like he's always holding me and grabbing me and he's shoving me, screaming me out of, out of, uh, out of where I'm, where I'm supposed to get to. And he says, we've talked about it after the games several times. So, it, you know, it appears as though they're, they're kind of like friends, you know, I mean, I don't think they go out to dinner or anything, but he says, we kind of joke about it, but he says, the guy absolutely drives me crazy. And uh, it, he keeps me from doing my job. In other words, from what he was saying, but anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. But, uh, thanks, Jimmy. That's all I had. All right. Thanks. thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for passing that along. Speaking of Javon Holland, Maybe Leslie Frazier, he's a candidate for the defensive coordinator job in Miami, along with Bobby Babbage. They both mm-hmm. interviewed for that job. Frazier getting that job would be, I think, really interesting. Just just the, the storylines of it. Yeah. Him running that defense and like, okay, let's let's see. Can, what does your defense look like compared to McDermott's? What do you what are you were in the building for four years with Josh Allen? What what's your answer? To defending Josh Allen. My guess is they would play him exactly how the Chiefs played him in the playoff game. Just back everybody up? Just make him throw 16 times at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Well, because Fangio didn't have answers. No, Fangio didn't have players either. But he's never had answers, even in Denver. Yeah. He did not have players at the end. 803-0550. Leslie Frazier to Miami. Maybe. Brandon Staley also getting interviewed in Miami. No. What do the Dolphins do in the first round? Offensive line? Do they have a first round pick? No, they don't. You're right. Which one do they Is this the Brady one that they lost, though, <laughs> or is this the, uh, the the Tyree Kill one? Yeah. 2023 draft, their first pick. Oh, I'm sorry. I need the 2024 20, draft. Um, Let's see. The Dolphins have. They don't. Oh, they do have a first round pick. Oh, okay, good. They have, have good, a, good for them. They don't have a third. Or a fourth. Uh, but they have a first-round pick. So what would they do? They're going to pick a wide receiver. No, they're not. Just to be as crazy as possible. They're going to take... I mean, they might need help at the edge. They've got injuries there, right? Bradley Chubb's going to miss time. And so is Phillips. And so is Phillips. Right? Achilles could be out for the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. What do they and- need? They, you know what they really would want? They're going to be too low. Probably. Quarterback? No, I was going to say well, <laughs> I was going to say Brock Bowers, but I don't think they're getting their hands on that guy. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Jeremy and Joe, if you're on hold, stick with us.
I like the question. Are the Bills close to the Chiefs? I get I get so many yeses, and I just want to ask, like, how do we square how close they are in individual games with how not close they are in resume? Give a call, 803-0550 on WGR. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Happy birthday, Gene Hackman. He's 94. Big, Gene Hackman. Big moment here. Joe, Josh. Have you seen Hoosiers? In parts? I've never seen it. Oh, man. In parts I've seen it? Hoosiers. I feel like i that's a detriment to my sports fandom that I haven't seen it, though. Because I mean, everyone talks about it. It's old. It's a great movie. I Hold on. Let's do the thing where I guess what year Hoosiers came out, okay? I'm not looking it up. Joe, okay. you, you look it up. Yep. 88. 87. 86. Okay. All right. 86. That's, that's good, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I probably watched it a hundred times well, between yeah. 1987 and 88. I, I've i seen Hoosiers 100 times. 100 as times? A, yes. Yes. As a nine-year-old child in 1988, I would have been doing nothing but watching Hoosiers. I mean, it's got a lot of pretty, uh, some context or content that's maybe above and beyond a nine-year-old. It's not just mm-hmm. like some... Uh, syrupy Disney basketball movie. It's a basketball movie, but there's a lot going on. But yeah, I've seen Hoosiers a hundred times. I'm trying to figure out what I would know Gene Hackman from. The replacements. Like, I... Uh, oh, that's the right answer. That's the right answer? Like, I know, I know Gene Hackman. I know, you know, his career. I have not seen, though, like any of the movies I'm looking at. How about Crimson Tide? I think it is The Replacements. He's the coach in The Replacements. Crimson Tide, I don't think I've seen. I've seen Runaway Jury. Those are the two. How about... Runaway Jury and The Replacements, I think. Superman. He's in Superman. Nah, I wasn't into those old Superman movies. Not into it. It's just, you know, he's got a cape. He flies. It's a lot better, than the, new, a lot better than the new Superman <clears throat> movies. A lot well, better. Well, any DC movie stinks now, doesn't it? Yeah, probably. Gene Hackman's in The Firm. Did you see The Firm? The Quick no. and the Dead? These are good movies. No, nothing. Enemy of the State with Will Smith. Hmm? That I've seen. Unforgiven? I've seen Enemy of the State. Ants, I've also seen. He's Ant- the voice of General Mandible. Ants? Ants. You want with Ants? Yeah, Ants. All right. Happy birthday, Gene Hackman. Jeremy and Joe with you here on a uh, Tuesday morning. You can give us a call, 803-0550 and one 888 2550 What are we talking about today besides wide receivers? Did you see the uh, – you're, you're up for this, right? Like a jersey stupidity in the NHL when corporations try to tell you that like every little thing means something? Right. So a, a new jersey has been revealed. Yeah. And they are here to tell you that the three dots that you can't recognize and would never have noticed without them – represent the three rivers that converge uh, uh. 60 miles south of the stadium. Yep. Yeah, like, okay. 
What? What do you got? Have you seen the new Islanders uh, Stadium Series uniform? Yes, it's a big, giant orange and blue sweater that says in all caps, Isles. That's literally it. That's the whole right. thing. And it's like Times New Roman font. Like, there's just no creativity. It's it just, just looks yeah. like a big sweater from the 80s. Yeah. So the Islanders then put out a press release explaining the design of said ultra-creative jersey that just has all caps Isles on it. And says, inspired directly by our team's fan-given nickname, Isles is set to the center of the jersey to showcase the pride and passion for the team that our fans bring to every Islanders hockey game. That's, that's an all-timer. We put the name in I the mean, middle of the jersey. Right in the middle. <laughs> Just so you know what team it is. You've got to make sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it does look like an Oilers jersey. Our fan-given nickname. Hey, you know what, though? I think this is a gateway to get in Sabres jersey that might say Sabes. Just saying. Oh. Our fan-given nicknames in the center of the jersey. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks, Instead guys. of off-right, which we were also considering. Just I would make a case that the Islanders have the worst everything when it comes to uniforms. Wow. Not only is it all bad, they don't have any potential. They tried for that Gordon's Fisherman guy, and that flunked. No, that was elite. Everything, that was so, that was everything the Islanders have ever put out as, an, as a jersey is bad. You're saying they have the worst jersey history ever. Not only the worst jersey history, there's not even any potential. Remember Nothing. The, what about those orange ones they used to wear like in the uh, the mid-2000s? Horrible. Orange third jerseys? The navy ones were always the worst. They At least when they went back to the brighter blue were a little bit better. You didn't like the Gordon's Fisherman ones? No. They're terrible. At least they're creative, right? You get some teal in there. You got the, that's, the waves on the, like the stripe on the bottom was like a wave. That's even proof. That they have so little to work with, they went with a fisherman. And no, it's what an islander is, isn't it? Is it? Or is an islander just someone who lives on an island? That's right. Okay. I mean, if you are if you go to Grand Island, you live on Grand Island, you're an islander. Do you have to fish to live there? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking now. They don't, have a, they don't have much. It's all terrible. Nothing but good. But they've never even really tried, That's, right? Like, what can they do? We decided to name our team the Islanders. We're out of it. We got nothing. Gotta be it was something. to identify the rich history of the Long Island fishing industry. Personally, I love Aha. that jersey, too. There we go. That jersey is fantastic. I can picture Rick DiPietro <laughs> playing like four games in it, and then he gets hurt. And That's got to be again. the one that gets credit because they're at least trying, right? These other ones, they're not even trying. They're just putting it on there, slapping a logo on a blue jersey, and just running with it. These The Gordon Fisherman Islanders, they are at least making an effort. The only bit of creativity they've ever had, though, is that little bit of like tape on the stick that signifies the four Stanley Cups in a row. No idea. No, no, it. there's no. no what, is, what, what is this? What in the <laughs> world? In, in the logo, too far. there's the stick that comes off the Y in NY, and there's four lines of tape that are signifying the four Stanley Cups in a row. Are they more? Are they better than the the? Are we only saying this about the Islanders though, because they're not like an original six team? Like, how much better are the Rangers uniforms? Better. But isn't that just because they're classic? No. The Rangers' new one with the Statue of Liberty that was navy blue was awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. The Islanders have been duds from day one. They should move the team then. Or rename it. Yeah. Rename the Sabres should not have a jersey that says Sabres on it. With <laughs> a bar across the middle. I'm against that. And what it'll do is they'll have 13 stripes to signify the years of the playoff drought. Let's do that. <laughs> Zach Cassian yesterday left the NHL. He's in Europe now. Oh. He had his whole entire NHL career, and even before that, 
became like a Lucic prospect all during the Sabres playoff drought. You can fit his entire existence in, in hockey in fans' lives within the Sabres drought. And now he's gone. Well, it's crazy. Good times. Hey, Senior Bowl practice today. We'll watch some receivers, maybe. Anthony in Buffalo. Good morning, Anthony. Morning, guys. Um, okay, so I would say that um, as far as the wide receiver goes, I know everyone wants to have a wide receiver this year. I'm not sure where we draft in the draft this year. I don't know what number we have, but you got to think at least five, six of the top wide receivers are going to be off of the board by the time it gets to us. When do we start to feel that we're reaching for a wide receiver just because we need a wide receiver? The answer to your question is we don't ever worry about that at all. Because the Bills' choices are to pick a wide receiver likely at 28 or at 58. Mm-hmm. No, 60. 60, right. So you do not worry about it at all. You don't worry about it at all because we don't worry about reaches. Because reaches, for the most part, I'm going to say most part here, reaches aren't real. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think that the uh, – well, because you know, here's a great example. This guy was a fourth-round pick, Fifth. and he's emerged. Yep. Round pick, excuse me. Yep. So, don't you feel that if there's a better player, for example, uh, a defensive event, you know, a, a, some defensive player that we know we're going to be losing this year, if he's got a better grade, why would we want to go for him and then sit back and wait for a wide receiver to come? The, you know, the, an- the answer that wouldn't be there. I was going to say, like the the danger there is. If other teams are prioritizing wide receiver, this actually happened a couple years ago, and you get to a space where, all right, the top receiver on the board for us has a second-round grade, and we don't pick again until 60. How many second-round grades do we expect them to have on wide receivers? You're making a huge risk that, okay, if we don't pick the second-round receiver in round at the end of round one, then by the time we pick in round two, all the other second-round receivers we might have wanted are going to be off the board. That's exactly what happened in 2022. When they took James Cook. When they took, well, they took, but they took Kyrie Elam in round right. one. And then they traded down twice and, at the time, and landed Ky- on James Cook. When they picked Kyrie Elam, Christian Watson was the number one player on the board at receiver. And they picked him there. Probably would have been called a reach. It wouldn't. Or maybe it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Either way. Even if it was, what would they have told you? Number one guy on our board. Right, and right, either way. But they waited. There were a million second-round receivers. They all went before the Bills had a chance to pick. And then they got up there in round two and started trading back because the guy they might have wanted wasn't there anymore. Yep. And, and that would be the risk of not doing it even here if you don't have a first-round grade in a guy. Yeah, my answer is a little different, Anthony. And that my answer to this is always, you never need to worry about it because the Bills will never show you their board. So I don't have to believe that they're reaching or whatever. If they have a wide receiver graded behind a defensive end, take the receiver. And then just tell us he was highest on your board. And they, they, they tell us Kyir Elam was the highest player on their board. How did that go? You know, the reality is, thanks, Anthony, you do need to draft for need. And they do, by the way. Everybody does. Everybody do. does. Every team drafts for need. You definitely need to dra- draft for need. Reaching for receiver. Let me let me pull up the 2020 wide receiver draft. You know what? The 20 draft when they picked, uh, they didn't have a first. That was up at Vanessa's year? Right. That's Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. 
With the Diggs pick. With, where was that taken? 22nd? Yeah, something like that. Like Justin Jefferson went 22nd. There were other receivers that went ahead of him. C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, Henry Ruggs is the 2020. Justin Jefferson was ranked by, here we go, top receivers entering the draft. Here's He's listed as fifth. Yeah, that's where he was drafted. He was the fifth receiver. Yep. And then... Six is it, I, let's just I, I all I did Joe I googled the 2020 NFL draft okay yeah. let's say this is how it goes you want to say that seven receivers are off the board by the time the Bills pick that means oh man C D Lamb Jerry Judy T Higgins Henry Ruggs Justin Jefferson Lavisca Chenault K J Hamler by the way at yep, this, at this pre draft ranking I'm looking at yep um, should I take the eighth receiver and reach who's eighth on this list. Michael Pittman Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, did you even get to Brandon Ayuk yet? No, because he was in that draft. Where's he ranked there? Is tenth, in it? tenth, tenth. And he's maybe the best of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> or he's no, he's maybe behind, Lamb. He's behind Jefferson, Jefferson and Lamb probably. But but right, like, yeah. Who cares? I'm gonna be so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna be so bad with this because I don't want to hear a word about boards. Three years they've been telling me about boards. To hell with boards. Throw We're them done. out. We're done with boards. We're done with their boards. You take that receiver. No boards, all trains. That's right. T-shirt idea. There you go. <laughs> yes. I mean, they do. Often, like when don't they draft for need? Like they, they always do. They always do, don't uh, they? Th- like here's when they didn't: Dalton Kincaid. But they told us they needed that. We, but we kind of knew that they it was a luxury pick. Does anyone? Does anybody think they needed that? I'm not saying he's bad or that it, like the, that's to be no, a bad. No, he's pick. very good. He's yes. their, he's there, but he is better than Dawson Knox. But did already. anyone go into that draft saying they need that? Other than. You know, all right, maybe. Uh, well, see, like that's where, like, they kind of tried to they tried to tell you that the square peg could fit in the round hole of they needed wide receiver, and they tried to sell that as this is just as good, right? And they they tried to fit that under the umbrella of this is us drafting for need because we need a wide receiver, and guys, this guy's kind of like a wide receiver when in reality he he is not. He's a tight end. He always was a tight end. He always will be a tight end. He's a tight end. So, I guess that was, you know, tried to qualify for that. But, like, when they drafted Torrance, they needed guards. Yeah. When they drafted Elam, they needed a cornerback. They ended up getting one later, but they needed Elam at the time. They thought they did. When they drafted Rousseau, they needed edge rushers. So, it's not always going to work out that way, but... They draft for need enough where you can you can just look at the one position and say if that's what you need and it's a if you think it's a reach you still just you do it because you what what's the alternative if if they got to a space and said all right we're the way this draft is going we're either picking a second round receiver in round one or we're picking a third round receiver in round two or if we just want to draft for value and draft the best player on our board then what's our alternative. You don't pick a wide receiver, and that's unacceptable. You can't end up there. Reaching for a player that you might have a round lower than where you pick him at that position is critical versus doing nothing and walking into the season with Justin Shorter as your number one outside receiver behind Diggs. That can't happen. Taking a look at the receiver class in the year that it's uh, 
Khalil Shakir, right? Shakir's a nice story. Wasn't here's, he like the 10th receiver picked or something Yeah, that year? Here's who went before Shakir that year. The, the Bills could have had some of these guys. This is 2022? Yep. Yeah. So the first round is Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and Traylon Burks. Okay. That's four good and Burks, who yep. is not working out too well. The second round, Christian Watson, Wondell Robinson, John Mechie, Tyquan Thornton, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. The third round, Vellis Jones Jr., Jalen Tolbert, David Bell, Danny Gray. You know, we get into a lot of nobodies. In the fourth round, here's Romeo Dobbs. Yep. And Shakir is in here, of course, in the fifth round. Yep. That's about it. Yeah. So not a bad pick, but would you be better off if instead of that you had taken Christian Watson or in round one or even George Pickens. I mean, who knows yep. if you like George Pickens, Alec Pierce. I mean, he's okay. He's okay. Sky Moore is not really Watson the was Chiefs. the Watson was the one though. I felt like probably because it, him at the time too, he was like North Dakota state FCS. Like he was tools guy, right? Like he didn't put up the giant stats and he wasn't playing in a great conference. It was tools guy. This guy is tall. He is fast. He has, he's good with the ball in his hands and he's not a superstar for Green Bay, but he's good. He's very good. He would be exactly what the Bills would have needed at the end of the year when it comes to big explosive plays because of his athleticism. And, again, like there would have been some draft pundits that would have said after that pick that it's a bust. And I'm playing the hindsight game here because we know Kyrie Elam's not working out. But had they picked Christian Watson over Kyrie Elam, then we wouldn't be as desperate to... to have them pick a receiver this draft. You might still want them to, but they'd have a young guy that's cheap and good in the building already. Yeah, yeah. It's also got the speed element that, that, that they need. That's part of your point. Like if if they have to reach, it's their own fault. And again, we no no one ever knows if you reach. The caller also said trading up. Like, I don't and that's a, that's a decision you have to make. Like, do you want to trade up or do you want to pick a guy? Like, if they get to a point where there's one receiver left on the board and there's a team, they've done this at other positions, right? They did with Kincaid. They trade up because they thought Dallas would take him. If they get to a point where they'll have to make a call, there's a receiver two picks above them. He's the last guy they have a first-round grade on on the board. And they think that the team two picks ahead of them is going to take him. So it's either we move up, we pick this guy four picks ahead of where we pick, or we sit here and we take the guy in round two. And I'll listen to arguments on either side. But either way, you can't bail on it entirely because you don't like your options. Right. 8030550 We'll squeeze in Jerry and Kenmore. Go ahead, Jerry. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, uh, quickly, before I get to the wide receiver thing, I'll be very quick. Um, Dan Cam- uh, Campbell, with a minute 39 left, first down at the uh, Niners 21, you kick the field goal with all three timeouts. That's what the analytics tells you to do. Don't count on recovering an onside kick. It doesn't happen. Actually, well, no, hold on. The problem was the run play. The point about I, I kicking – hold on, l- let me dig into this, because kicking earlier doesn't help you, actually. Well, regardless, the field goal has to be kicked at some point. I understand that, then- but but hold on. This To me, this is important, because this is – when they went for a fourth down, you might have said, well, you should kick the field goal instead of going for the fourth down. And yeah. I agreed for the fourth down, because here's why. Let's talk about likelihood of converting. You mm. might not like – your kicker, and might not think he can hit from 47 yards. It is still exceedingly more likely he hits from 47 yards than it is that you are able to complete a touchdown pass from the 30-yard line. Would we not agree? 
I would agree. But here's the here's the analytics you're missing is that 139. If you kick the field goal there and you give it to them and you stop them three and out, you get the ball with a minute ten and no time and no stop. timeouts left. Jerry, remove the timeout conversation. They blew the timeout. Going for the fourth down, they had to go for the fourth down at the two rather than kick the field goal. That was the smart decision. Oh, I agree, but but when you get to that's way before this that the field goal needed to be kicked. I understand that. Way before this. I, I understand that. You want them to kick before the first down at, at the at the goal line? Or the, the inside the five. So as soon as you they, want them to kick from like the twenty, as, when they get to the twenty, you want them to kick. I want them to kick. Well, One thirty-nine, three timeouts. You take anything, out, everything out of the equation. You take a sack out of the equation. You take an interception out of the equation. But Jerry, let's let's, the game. let's play that out. Let, let, he kicks the field goal from the twenty-one yard line. Okay, so now I got a minute thirty-five or whatever, a minute thirty, right. and I've got three timeouts. I'm going to kick the ball to them. Assume I don't get the onside kick. If if you stop them. If you stop them, you're not, you're not onside kicking. You're not onside. Yeah, you're okay, not. Then, oh, then don't. Either way, matter. either way, it doesn't matter. You're, you're getting the ball back with what a minute, a minute twenty, a minute, a minute 10. ten left with no timeouts. Like you're, what you're walking into is a situation where you're throwing a hail mary from the fifty yard line. And how is that increasing their odds? Oh no, there's no way you're throwing that from the fifty yard line. Teams move the ball 40, 50, 60 yards in a minute. And, and one, and what, right, you're, when the team is defending the end zone. But the Chiefs are going to punt. You're, you're where you're starting from. You're yeah, the, only getting to Hail Mary range in your situation. Well, you might get closer. No, no, you, you're, you, punting, you, you're getting it at the thirty. You're getting it. The and 30, you have to go seventy. And you have to go. Yards. And you have to go seventy yards into the end zone. You're the, the longest you're throwing with their offense is thirty yards into the end zone on maybe one or two plays. And how likely is a thirty yeah, yard? How likely is a thirty? How likely is the onside kick recovery? You. Jerry, hold, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop for, stop. Can you, Jerry, 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 stop for two seconds, man. Remove the timeouts. The timeouts are not debatable. Dan Campbell made a mistake on running the ball. Remove the timeouts. No one's talking about the timeouts, man. What? And he broadcast the run with Montgomery by bringing him into the game. I gotta go. <laughs> I love you, man, but we gotta have a conversation, and you keep bringing up things that we're not talking about. The only thing that they should have gone for is scoring a touchdown with three timeouts. That's it. Yes. That, that they was the not only have, thing they should have they even should attempted. Not, they should not have burned a timeout. Right. But all things, let's say they had their three timeouts. Let's say they still had three timeouts and it's fourth and goal from the two. They should go for the touchdown, not the field goal. Yeah. Yes. Touchdown. The touchdown is the harder thing to get. You are at the two. You will never have a better chance at the touchdown. Right. Get the touchdown, get the ball back, then you can play for a field goal or, ready for this, another touchdown. Mm-hmm. Your whole point, Jerry, about how you teams move the ball all the time, they're going to defend the end zone. Great. I actually have a chance to win the game in my final two possessions as opposed to kicking from the 20-yard line, hoping to get the ball back, and then needing to go 80 yards for a tie. Yeah. So... The fourth down call to go for the touchdown, which they did get, I believe was the right call, and we're not talking about the timeouts. And, by the way, Dan Campbell admitted that was a mistake. In that hypothetical, by the way, it actually would make more sense. Again, this is in like a situation where they should, wouldn't have done it anyway, where Jerry even just said, like, they, they can get down to the 30. Okay, that's further away than the 20. I'd be better off taking three shots at the end zone from the 20 and because if, if they have a chance of getting it, i got to get it from that distance anyway. So I'm more likely to do that from the 20, and then, oh, all i got to do is get to the 30. 
with no timeouts left. They did what they were supposed to up until they called the timeout. Well, until they called the run play and then called the timeout. I even said yesterday, you can call the run play even though it's not ideal, but if you do it, you got to have a second play ready to go where you run back to the line of scrimmage and you go for it on fourth down because you cannot leave that possession without three timeouts. 8030550. We got to go to a break. That's by the way the thing Dan Campbell admitted he made a mistake on. Yes. He did not re- said he did not regret the fourth down decision making at all. The third down run is what really killed. I mean, although I wish he got asked about the end of the half first uh fourth down call. I wonder if he would have said he regretted that. I'd like to think he would. They lost by three. If he goes for it and scores the touchdown, fourth and goal from the three, then they win the game by one. I'm playing revisionist history, at least. Right. <laughs> but he didn't get hold on, that. Hold on. All right. We'll get to a break. We've got two people on Twitter that also don't understand the conversation that was just had, which was great. We, we'll, Jerry, stay on hold. Maybe we'll try to bring it back. We'll do a redux. We'll take a breath. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Neither Joe nor I are assuming getting an onside kick. Neither one of us are doing. I don't that. even need to kick. It. I'm not even, even getting an onside kick. kick. I don't even need to attempt I'm, it. Right, right. All right. Thanks, Lions. You ruined everybody's lives. This is the stupidest game plan I've ever seen. And you know what, Greg Roman? Every single person needs to apologize to you because you got blamed for everything All about right. what was wrong. Kill it now. Rex. Done. Rex. Done. I was ready to listen to Rex. Wait a minute. Rex fired Greg Roman. He did fire <laughs> Greg Roman. <laughs> but that is, his, that is his buddy, right? Uh, sure, yeah. Apologize to Greg Roman. Yeah, they had Gre- their best... Well, the Mahomes MVP year, or the uh, Jackson MVP year was pretty good, too. They instantly got way better when they moved down from Greg Roman. And they had the same playoff success as Greg Roman's Ravens. That's true. So I'm not sure you should apologize to the Greg Roman that lost a bunch of playoff games with the Ravens, too. Man, football. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> this is the yelling time. Like I, I said right after the Bill season, uh, welcome to yelling at each other season. Yes. Yeah. This, it's, is, it, this is pointing finger season. Yeah. Whose fault was it? Yesterday was Dan Campbell Day. Todd Munkin maybe got reserved until today. Can't wait to see what happens in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan might, you know, get on the hook if he loses another one. Yeah. For him, it's more about what he's done in the Super Bowls, right? Hasn't he got lost, oh. like, the second halves or something? He's been outscored, like, 35-3 to in the two Super Bowls. Well, I mean, one of those was the 28-3 to game, so. Where he... Wouldn't stop throwing the football, yeah, right? Yep. When they were up huge. I mean, Matt Ryan also took a couple of dumb sacks that cost that team. Yeah. Anyway, collapses and playoff I legacies. And I think I was more mad at the Falcons that day than I was at anybody that let the Chiefs win this time. Got back. To Don't the forget. Coin toss decided overtime. In that Super Bowl. Yes. And Don't. I remember, I've said this before, I've had the take that had Atlanta won that coin toss, gone down and scored to win that game without Brady touching the ball, they would have changed the rule the next day. Yes. Right? They would have changed the rule the next day. You, like, what do you, this sport can't let that happen where he comes all the way back and then doesn't get an opportunity in overtime. Versus... 
New England getting the ball first and scoring, it was like, well, that was inevitable. Atlanta was imploding. Of course they were going to lose that game. We didn't get any look at overtime rules this uh, this playoffs. Not yet. I'm, I'm disappointed. It still, I, it still could happen. I hope it does because I want to see the way these coaches strategize it. They can really do multiple things. I think the easy call is to take the ball second so that you know what you need and you have the choice to win the game if you if you please on the two point conversion. But we didn't. Man, we didn't see it tested. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty Senior Bowl practice today. Here we go. Is this like going to be on NFL Network? Uh, Will you sit down and watch Senior Bowl practice? Are you that into uh, these guys? They're, the top guys, though, aren't here at the no. Senior Bowl. Although the Bills range guys might be. We're just not getting a Dunze. We're not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. We're not getting any... Uh, Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors, right. I am ready to see where Malik Neighbors lands. Ready. Hopefully the NFC. Yeah. Not the Jets. I don't nah. want the Jets. Marvin on a cell phone. Hey, Marvin. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I, I heard you guys say it's yelling season. It's not really yelling. It's what people see after the fact. And just like I told uh, when I, the, the person that answered the phone, when you see the game after the game and you see like what McDermott did, you know, up the we were running right up the gut. We were doing great the first half. Teams make adjustments. That's what good teams do. They make adjustments. Same thing with the uh, Kansas City and, and the uh, Baltimore game. I mean, McDermott went back there. He had no plan for it, no plan whatsoever. They tried to do the same old, same old, and we got the same old result. I mean, it's just – it is. It's poor coaching, and at the end of the day, when you see teams that make adjustments, and they're the good coaches. They are the great coaches. And uh, it was it was really uh, uh, a shame to see, you know, us – you know, McDermott not – I mean, Josh Allen, what a great rollout thrower. I mean, he throws to his right when he rolls out. How about a, 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 a fake handoff and then he rolls out and throws the ball? I mean, they had nothing. It was just nothing. It was the same old, same old, the second half, and, and then we got what we got. I mean, it was a shame. It was really a shame. And the other thing, too, is A.J. Klein, they put the guy in there, this is, and this is what kills me. I'm an old man, all right? There's there's things that I could do years ago I can't do now. A.J. Klein maybe knows mentally what to do, but physically. And you had a guy like Williams on the team, and they weren't playing him. I'd rather have a kid that could recover Scott's speed and athleticism to do something than to put A.J. Klein. They totally destroyed him from the beginning of the game. And uh, while I'm at it, anybody, you know, they like Poirier and Hyden. They gave them these contracts. They're done. Other than that fluke play at the goal line, name one play that Poirier Hyde made in, uh, in that game. But like I said, it's adjustments. And Buffalo didn't make adjustments. And uh, I hate to say it, Baltimore didn't make adjustments. And they had some dumb players. I mean, they had Flowers. What a joke. What a joke. It's, it, it, it sickens me to watch. I just want to hear what you guys got to say to that. All right. Poirier got better as the season went on. That's the sentiment that was out there. Sure. Some of the pro football focus numbers show that as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Zay Flowers, I mean, I, I am upset that it happened. I wish that he would have tucked the ball and just taken first and goal at the one-yard line. Um, but that, that kid is going to be great for a long time. He's going to be really good for a long time. So, I don't know. 
Rookie, rookie player. Them that, that things happen like that when you're having to thrust rookies into roles like that. I guess could happen to anybody though. It happens to veteran players all the time. Yeah, and on Dorian Williams, you know, you, you say that a lot. I get that. You know, maybe an athletic linebacker could make more plays. I guess the, give give Andy Reid ten minutes to like okay the faster guys out there got it I I know but like the, the, come on come on no, probably but like we doesn't everyone wasn't that always going to happen with AJ Klein in the game like what what was what what else was going to happen with well, AJ Klein in the game at least with Dorian Williams I can imagine a scenario where an athletic player makes a couple of plays sure. that make up for mistakes. Whereas Klein, I don't, I'm not getting plays from him that are going to make up for and him getting abused in the secondary. At the risk of being devil's advocate, if Dorian Williams had played the whole game and they got roasted, you could imagine that maybe a heady player like A.J. Klein might have been, made a difference. The reality is they didn't have their linebacker that they needed, and Andy Reid was able to exploit it. And here's a point about the Bills. Like, we've seen injuries be a thing. Right? Okay, the mm-hmm. Bills' defense is so injured that Kansas City just they just ripped them apart and they exploited it. Two years ago in the playoffs, the Cincinnati Bengals were missing their entire starting offensive line. And right. the Bills did not exploit it. Right. So some teams are able to get through injuries and the opposition doesn't exploit it. I don't know. I think Zay Flowers is a tremendous player and I'm really jealous that the Bills don't have him, but I want to get somebody exactly like him. He's awesome. Didn't we say yesterday the Bills would have won the Super Bowl maybe if Zay Flowers was on their team? I, we, won, we, we threw we, it out we, there. We wondered it as a thought exercise. Yeah. You know, maybe not with AJ Klein out there linebacker. I feel like you can't say AJ Klein, Klein's name too loud because it's not his fault. No, he was he thought he was going to be in the Bahamas. Yeah, last week or even the week before that. Sorry, I'm seeing snippets of Mike Florio's piece of uh, on analytics. Uh-huh. Want to hear this greatest hits from Mike Florio? Sure. Let's here's, see. Here's yeah, just what a paragraph just came across my feed. What do the analysts analytics say they should have done in that situation? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm certain that no formula could take into account everything Campbell needed to consider when deciding to pass on the field goal instead of throw the pass in that specific situation. Wait, I don't, he, wait, wait, he, he said, he, I don't know and I don't care, but I'm certain that no formula could take into that, account everything. That was like all in a row also, right? Yes. You yeah. can you can box in a, a section of what he just said, which is, I don't know, I don't care, I'm certain. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and again, the funniest thing about all of it is that Dan Campbell said he did it based on how he felt. All right. Like, to him, that was situational football. Right. And how come the... It's because momentum, right? Like it's whether you're a believer in momentum oh, or not. Because man. we need everything that happens after now gets blamed on the fourth down decision making. But what? But you'll never hear, or you won't hear it as often. Why can't it be true that what the Niners did after was justification for going for it on fourth down? In that the Lions' defense was not that good. The Niners' offense was great. Maybe Dan Campbell thought, "I'm going to need points." It's a matter of time here. They're going to go on a run. I need as many points as I can get because McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo Samuel. I got to play this game like I'm. They're they're going to come back because I'm not going to keep them down with this defense for four quarters in a row. How come that doesn't get used as justification for why he needed seven? Well, Tom Brady, future NFL on Fox number one analyst, said I'd have taken the points. Greg Olson points out Michael Badgley's career forty eight plus was under fifty percent. Hmm. Good thing we're going to lose Greg Olson for 
No, we're not. He's not. Come on, Brady's not doing it. But anyway, more to the point about like it's just so it's so funny. It's so stupid. Most of this arguing about the fourth down stuff, the it's over. They lost. Mm-hmm. It's over. And yet, a game like that brings it back for a feeding frenzy for 24 hours. But the whole thing is over, man. It, yep. You just, here is the head coach of the Detroit Lions saying, I went for it based on feel. And Mike Florio's got an article saying, I don't know and I don't care, but I'm certain a formula couldn't say he was right. He didn't say it was a formula, bro. Right. He said, I felt like it was the right call. Okay. Anyway, whatever. Football. Yelling season. Let's yell some more. The Lions are new to this, by the way. And then be friends. New to yelling season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe. Evaluating how the season ended on, like, a set of plays or, like, individual events rather than, like, entire season's worth of material. It's uh, it's a new life that you're living. 803-0550 to join us. 1-888-552-550. Having some fun. Kicking around all these ideas. Whatever. On a Tuesday. And reports of the sun coming this week. Later this week, you, yes, you may see the sun for consecutive days in West New York. Jeremy and Joe Extendo Sports next. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. Okay. Five storylines you're bound to be sick of at the Super Bowl. Saw this at awfulannouncing.com. Do you know all five? Uh, is one of them going to be Taylor Swift related? That's one. Do you know anybody that's actually mad about that? Or is it only people online that you don't know and reaction to Ooh. people that claim to be mad about it? Do you actually know a person that is mad about it? I might not. Trying to think, like if I had an encounter with someone in recent months, I was where talking about said this to me, like you yeah, know, enough of Taylor Swift. Like I, I don't think I have. I, I was talking about this with my wife, I have. and I said, I have, of course, no problem with it. I have a problem with the Chiefs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it had to be the Chiefs. It could be Taylor Swift. It could be John Ham. It could be anybody. Yeah, yeah. The Chiefs continue to celebrate on my television, and I hate it. Yeah. So I am definitely rooting against her, but that's only because she's wearing the jersey of the Chiefs. That's it. There are already uh, some Super Bowl prop bets, some of the fun ones that are making their ways into the uh, into the sports books. Yeah. One of them, which I believe is at, at FanDuel, FanDuel in Canada, I guess only right now. Will Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift oh on God. the field after the game? No. Yes is no is minus two fifty. Uh, let me let me hit let me hit yes ev- is plus everything I've ever owned on no. I, I mean you might be able to just take a quick uh, forty minute drive north and uh, hit the app up. Everything I have ever owned on no <laughs> minus it, the max bet is a hundred. Just uh, oh, well. just, so hey, if you want a free hundred bucks, no, what would you win on that? Like sixty, seventy five. However that works. Yeah. So that was only one, though, right? For Taylor Swift, for uh, headlines we'd be sick of? Yep. The others? Is another one Mahomes been the GOAT chase? That's number two. Okay. Is another one Will, like, Reed or Kelsey retire, maybe? No. One of them is a Shanahan redemption arc. Okay. 
Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant. Yep. And... CBS. Is there anything about the CBS broadcast? The Nickelodeon telecast. You got Mahomes Goat. You got Mr. Irrelevant. The other is Vegas itself. Sin no. City. Did you see that they, the NFL... The NFL made this happen. They didn't want players staying near the strip. So... They picked two resorts for the teams to stay at during Super Bowl week at Lake Las Vegas, not downtown Las Vegas, Lake Las Vegas, which is 25 miles away Mm. from downtown because they just don't want players near the strip. Because I guess they don't trust players to not, what, go out the night before the week of and bet on the game? Or just bet, gamble, play, play blackjack, anything like that, yeah. The uh, the Luxor is the media hotel. The Luxor. That's the one that looks like a pyramid. Oh, the one, it looks like a... It's, a, it's a Dorito. Dorito, yep. yeah. One side of it is a Dorito. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I have stayed at the Luxor. Yeah? Yes. How was it? Fine. It's exactly how you think it would be because it's a pyramid. Your windows in your room are sloped like... Well, it's like a triangle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they don't have... Elevators, they have inclinators. What is you, that? You exact. You go up an incline. It's not an elevator that goes up. You're on the outside of the pyramid. So it's like an escalator, kind of. But it's, you're. It's, a, it's like an elevator car that goes up an incline. In, okay. Inclinators, not elevators. That that's uh. What's the what's the cable car thing in uh, Pittsburgh? Yeah, the, du- it's like the same thing. Duquesne incline or something. Like yeah, that? yeah. Right, right. It's called the incline or whatever. Yep. It's the same thing. It's just indoor. It's inside the pyramid. Yep. Inclinator elevators. They travel at a 39-degree angle up the four sides of the pyramid. So there Hmm. you go. I have stayed at the Luxor. You've not been to the Sphere, though. What's the Sphere going to be looking like Uh, the week of? That's a good question. I have not been to the Sphere. Something NFL-related? I've stayed at the Luxor, Mandalay Bay, the Palms, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the Palms. I can't even remember. Flamingo. Where, Flamingo. Where's next year's Super Bowl? Bellagio. All right. Next year's Super Bowl is going to be in um, the Phoenix. Again? I don't know. It's like next the- year's Super Bowl is in New Orleans. Oh, there you go. Oh. Sal's got it. Sal was very excited about the idea <laughs> of it being in New Orleans. Maybe next year's the year. <laughs> I just had to yell, so you guys got me before right. you went off the air. That's awesome. All right, extra point now, show coming up. Uh, the, the 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 sphere. What the sphere is not a, like a the sphere is like for concerts. No, right, and right stuff. yeah, sorry. It's, it's more of a right. It's like a concert hall or event center. Yeah, but I am not wondering a- what it's going to look like with the Super Bowl coming on. Like they will have. If you're in Vegas, it will be. It's kind of terrifying, actually, from what I've seen videos. I it's been a few years since I've been to Vegas. Used to go a lot, um, like almost every year. But it'll look. Wild, like some of the things they can do on on the sphere, it's going to look really interesting if they put like big helmets or whatever. Hmm. What else is the number? You see how big this thing is. Yeah, they should just do a golf ball because the waste management open is also next weekend. Huge! Oh my gosh, that's right. Got to invite everyone over for your waste management open parties. That's what I'm having. All right. Yep. Thank you, well, everybody. Uh, Sal, Extra Point Show coming up. We'll be listening.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.